That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Yes, we are back. We are back. We are back with a brand new episode of the Boochcast. Party on, Benny. Party on, Elvis. And this week's episode, Elvis and I actually came up with this title while we were talking in the car a while back. We were driving, yeah. And uh, somehow this became the title, but here it is. Um, I'm a shower, not a grower. I'm a shower, not a gr- not a grower. And plus, that photo you have on there is uh, it's called fungi. It's mushrooms, but it's a fungi. <laughs> fungi. I'm a shower, not a grower. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> speaking of um, of uh, conversations we've had, uh, you'll notice an interesting title uh, or interesting song that we pick. Uh, for those of you guys who are loyal, loyal Boochcast fans all the way back to the days of Blog Talk Radio, you know that one of the things that I did every two years since the start of the Boochcast on Blog Talk and during the Blog Talk days, um, we would pick a new theme song every two years. So the first time we were on Blog Talk, we did a theme song was Let's Get It Started by the Black Eyed Peas that I played for two years. In the span of those two years, some fans enjoyed the song. Others were like, Booch, we are sick of this fucking song. So finally, we did a Twitter poll and I allowed uh, the team to each pick a song. Elvis picked the song that you just heard, Balls in Your Mouth, and you guys voted for it. So for two years, we played Balls in Your Mouth. I remember Desmond called me. He said, that's really the theme song of the show. I said, yeah, the fans picked it. He said, who put it in the poll? He said, Elvis. He went, motherfucker. <laughs> 
Yep. I mean, um, you know, I have a pulse on what the people want. You know, uh, you know, I, I am, I might lie to you. I think I am a bit crazy. I have, um, it's weird. I, I just think, I, I think outside the box sometimes. I try to figure out what's best for the people. And really, my whole thing when I come to the show is to try to sit there and outdo myself and try to sit there and get as much, not really clarity, but trying to get as, as trying to get as far as I can for myself and think outside the box and just, you know, relay these crazy relayed messages in my brain to the vast majority of people to dozens and dozens of fans on the Boochcast to listen to. So I thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for voting that song because nostalgia, it tickles your brain, right? It tickles your brain ever so much. It's to be like, remember that time? Remember that time? Remember the emotions? Remember the things that it was? It was good times back then. Nothing's better than having some balls in your mouth I heard from a chick. I don't know. That's just what I heard. Exactly. And what was even crazier was at the time, like Elvis just sent me this out of nowhere. It was because uh, Jimmy Fallon did balls in your mouth multiple times with multiple different people. And the most recent one that he did was a, year, a couple years ago was with Russell Crowe and I thought that one was the most awkward and he yeah, was I mean listen so um I'm not sure if you guys know the history between me and Vinny but um for as long as I know Vinny I've known him for 10 is it almost 15 years I'd say about 10 years plus right as of right now yes so we met at a Hooters we were just jibber jabbering we we're doing impressions we we're doing everything else and we grew a great friendship he told me at a podcast I remember the first couple times I was on it I was rambling like a crazy madman on speed um it was very awkward and weird um but uh me and Vinny, we exchanged numbers and we were talking to like we used to host like the the wrestling pay-per-views at mazzy's which was a fantastic thing until it ended um it's still a sore spot in my heart but me and Vinny, we we always chat on the phone like if i'm in traffic i call Vinny because he's my go-to guy i can sit there and talk talk to him about everything and nothing um but the funny thing about Vinny is i always text Vinny like you know sometimes like when you're in a relationship and i'm not saying that you and i have a relationship i think you and i are great friends yeah um but you know in a relationship we have like the, the one guy who drunk texts his ex-girlfriend for a booty call or something like that yeah that's kind of the dynamic me and Vinny have it's kind of funny because every time i get drunk i text Vinny the most random bullshit and i roam with it the whole time and Vinny, like Vinny's told me on multiple occasions dude i couldn't read anymore i had to stop because i was crying and the tears in my eyes were prohibiting me from looking at your text so i had to literally <laughs> put the phone away for a second i'm not sure i come up with this stuff it comes from this stupid little noggin i have here but um uh Vinny's my go-to guy he's like my muse every time i talk to him it's like he brings this creative side into me where i just sit there and bullshit and spew about everything and fucking nothing i mean wouldn't you agree yeah i mean to this day my favorite drunk text moment of all time out of all the many many times is i will never forget mitch the mattress that's the one that goes down in history because it was a freaking elvis was texting me a freaking novel like he would just keep going and going and going normally when someone texts me that many times at night i want to strangle them but it was so fucking funny i i, I was i was just, i was like trying to go to sleep i eventually just said fuck it sat up in my bed and just waited for whatever the fuck was gonna come next if we still had this if we still had this text exchange I would make it into a not. I would make it into a book, and I would sell it on the Boochcast. Cause that's why all the times you hear us talk about Zach, we talk about Mitch and the mattress and the love affair, and it's just it was all from those text messages. But the thing is, like you know, like I'm not sure what happened, but I tapped this something in my head when I was telling a story. I couldn't type fast enough to tell you the story, and I think like it was like the the way I was like almost like painting a picture in your mind with the words I was using, going through the flow of the whole text message, like. 
I saw it happen, but I was like, holy shit, this is really fucking good. We just kept going through, like, over and over. And, like, it just kept coming. Like, inspiration just kept happening. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep going, keep going. Vinny was not responding. I saw it was, like, red, red, red. It, 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 like, all the messages were red. He wasn't retorting back because I don't think he could. Vinny tried. He's like, no, I, I can't. I, I, I can't I can't interject because the story's too fucking good. What's gonna happen next? It's like, the only thing I can imagine was he got to this point. How much farther is he gonna take it? And boy, do we take it. Yeah. Um, Vinny, Vinny's my muse, man. He is. Um, we have some good segments. You guys listen to the podcast long enough for all the dozens and dozens of fans out there who listen to us. You guys know the banter we have. Sometimes we talk about something, we talk about nothing. We even talk about something and talk about the Titanic at the end of it. Why? Because that's what we fucking do. We're fucking weird. It's so good. And Vinny, I gotta say, man, you're my muse, man. You you listen and you understand it, you comprehend it, and you make it easy for everybody else to listen to. So I thank you for being my translator in this crazy nonsense of my brain. So thank you. No problem, man. And uh being a crazy nonsense, uh, since the last time we've spoken to you guys, I'd say Elvis and I have gone through our fair share of uh crazy nonsense. So the question is, Elvis, uh, do you want to share yours first or should I share mine? You know what though? Let's 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 start with you. I'm pretty okay. sure you, I mean like I, I've been there for you. I, I feel oh. like I'm your psychiatrist. I feel like I'm your although you are my muse, I feel like I'm your pillar, like when it comes to life. Yes. So I feel like um when it comes to life, I give you sound advice, I give you outside the box thinking to get things done. You're my muse for entertainment. I'm your rock for reality. That's not, not about right. Yes, I would say that. Uh because I had some crazy shit go down. Uh, actually it was about a month ago. Um, as you guys know, uh, in addition to so many other things that I do, podcasting, comedy, announcing, man of many hats, the most recent hat that I put on and that has taken up a lot of my time in a good way is I am the, the, the manager, the advocate for buff the stuff Bagwell. I love if I use, you use advocate because you truly are. I mean, um, you're, you're doing, you're doing God's work is what you're doing. So yes. I appreciate you for that. Keep, keep yes. going. So part of the job of being buff's manager is that when he goes to shows, whether he's signing autographs or he's in the ring or whatever, I go with him. Uh, to, I drive him to the shows uh, so he can rest uh, on the car there and the car ride back. You know, he likes to take a nap in the car, so I... You're a gopher. We love it. Yeah, so I drive him. Yeah. Uh, and then also, when we're sell- when he's uh, selling his merch, I handle the money. I take the pictures. I do everything. So recently, we went to uh, the Big D Flea Market in Dalton, Georgia. Uh, and we were there for... Teddy Long's Holla Holla Fame fan experience. Teddy Long, baby. 10-man yes. tag team. Undertaker's going to be there. I'm yes. Sorry. So, and we were there with a slew of wrestling legends that were at this event. Uh, some you've heard of, some you knew a long time ago, but probably hadn't seen in a long time. And it was going to end with a match in a ring that looked, it looked like one of those toy rings they sell at Target. Like, eventually wait, wait, they NXT tightened. Or AEW's? What? AEW's ring or NXT's or the old 80s ones. It, lo- it looked really old. Really old. This was like, this was not a ring. So with, this- the, stick- so with the sticker ripped off and like the ropes barely hanging on? Exactly. That kind of thing. Okay. So now eventually they tightened up the ropes and they had to because a lot of the guys that were on the card do springboard moves at which they would not have been able to do with the way the ropes looked when we got there. Of course, so, of course, as is nature. Yes. And so we pull up and it's an outdoor event. So basically what happens is you basically pull up a car, you park your car, and then wherever the table is in front of you, that's pretty much where you're selling your merch. So I, I got a question, Vinny. Yeah. I'm asking as a, as a as a person who's on the outside looking in, because obviously you're in the wrestling business. I'm on the outside looking in. What is the difference 
between um, an outside show as opposed to inside show? Now, we all know when it's inside, it's a little bit different, but what is the pressure and what is the feeling going into a crowd where you have people like bring their kids to fucking go on the, you know, the little alligator that spins around or the, the little mini roller coaster? Um, people trying to shoot that little star out with a the, with the shotgun or a little PB gun, whatever. It doesn't want to work. The carnies are fucking winning. What's the difference between being a, between a live show where you're out in public as opposed to being inside a building? Well, in most cases, some of the places have barricades indoors. Outdoor, okay, outdoor, you either have your own or you don't have a barricade at all. Uh, in this particular case, the, now the stuff that you described is what happened at the state fair earlier this month okay. or earlier last month, I should say. Uh, this will be coming out on Monday, even though we're recording this on a Thursday. Um, but what we were at was a flea market. Basically, we were at, and the flea market's usually indoors, but they didn't have, they weren't able to set up a ring inside the flea market, so they put it outside. Now the difference is you got to take the weather into account. If it's cold, if it's warm, thankfully it was warm. Still, the cold weather yeah. hadn't hadn't hit us yet. And what was interesting about this particular one is that obviously there's a lot of big names here. The Steiner brothers were there. Uh, one of which wow. I'm friends with. The other one I'm not. I'll tell that story and I'll tell that story a little later because uh, I got to. Um, and then of course there's uh the Yete. If you remember WCW, uh the the big mummy guy. He was also Reese in the flock. He was there. Um, wow. And, you know, I didn't know that. The Reese was the Yeti for real. The Yeti, yeah, the Yete. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I really had no idea. I, I didn't I either until until I saw the him. The flock there. was a great fucking group, by the way. I fucking love them. Besides, I had no idea that Reese was actually the, the Yeti. That's that's yeah. pretty awesome. They were gonna put those two together. Yeah, and then there was a few other uh, big names like Johnny Swinger was there. Uh, Action Mike Jackson was there. Um, and one particular guy uh, shows up. Now, before I do, now I have to tell this story before I can finish this one. Go on. A while back on Buff ba- on Buff's podcast, Rebuilding Buff, the new podcast that he's doing, he talked about a particular incident where a certain wrestler who in WCW went by the name Queewee. He's also known to many of many to, 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 to many in the in the no fans, like people who actually care enough about the history of WCW, known as Alan Funk. Uh, he apparently talked some shit about Buff on his podcast. So Buff responded like only Buff Bagwell can and basically verbally lit into him, reminded him that he was a jobber, basically, you know, ripped in the shreds, said, I'm going to beat your fucking brains out when I see you and all that. Like Buff getting mad because he was basically saying that in the ring, he was going to tell him about whipping Buff's ass. Like, or he was telling a story about how apparently him and Buff had an altercation that, that and that he was almost going to whoop his ass in the ring. Well, that's all Buff needed to hear. Alan Funk talked shit. Buff responded to it. Not picking sides just stating facts. We get to the event. I look at the poster and I realize Alan Funk is on this poster because <laughs> keep in mind, this got booked before these podcasts took place. So we show up and there's a row of tables. And again, when you park your car in front of it, there's tables on one side and tables on the other side. So basically, if you're a fan, you're walking by, there's wrestlers to the left of you, there's wrestlers to the right of you, and all the way at the end is the ring. And it's all in this one tiny indoor-like area. It's not really in door but there's like a roof and shit and pillars holding it up that's basically where we're at we show up set up our gimmick table guess who just so happens to be right across from us Jim Cornette I wish 
Alan Funk. Oh, wow. Awkward. So now he's there, and he puts his gimmick table right across from ours. The funny part is, he shares his gimmick table with the Yate. And and again, I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm stating facts. More people talk to the Yate than Alan Funk at that time. That's what you get, bitch. So now these two are... Now Buff and Alan are signing their autograph, are doing their autographs, taking their pictures. They, I'm sitting here going, what the fuck's about to happen? I got my sixth sense. I'm talking to fans, and I'm interacting, and I'm helping Buff. But I'm looking at Alan out the corner of my eye. So I'm wondering, what the fuck's he going to do? They said fucking nothing to each other for three hours. They're just meeting fans and selling gimmicks. Granted, Buff sold more gimmicks, but again, just stating facts. It's not a here or there. Yeah, here or there. It, 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 you have to say anything else. I mean, one person's a jobber, one person's uh, you know, a person who's been in a limelight, part of yeah. a, the biggest faction in a world of wrestling. But that's cool. Go on. So eventually, everything starts to die down. All the families start making their way to the ring for the match. Buff's not wrestling, obviously, because he's still recovering from his knee injury. So we're just kind of sitting there looking up. All of a sudden, Alan Funk looks over and says, Hey, Marcus, before you leave, you and I got to talk. And Marcus says, About what? He said, You fucking know what? He goes, Dude, I got nothing to say to you. And then Alan starts laying into Buff. Because now, Alan heard all the shit Buff was talking on his podcast. And now, basically, wants to fight him. And he's sitting there yelling. He goes, Yeah. He goes, Yeah, you were running your mouth. You and that little fat fuck. And he points at me. Now, I get roped into this because Alan Funk thinks that I am Buff's co-host on Rebuilding Buff. Now, for those of you who don't know, the co-host is named Michael Long. And I can see how Alan would think that looking back on it because Michael and I are very similar. We're both comedians. We've both worked in radio. We both do podcasting. We both love wrestling. So there are some similarities between Michael and myself. And, and, and the thing is, like, you're both tied to Buff Bagwell as well, too. So you yeah. can't take that away, too. So yeah. I, I can see the thing. Is like, all you saw was, like, a, a fat comedian. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not, not saying you're fat or anything like that. But, like, you know, I'm pretty sure that's what he thought. He's like, oh, you're just a fat comedian. So you're definitely Buff's boy. You're the guy who's talking all that shit, whatever. So yeah. I can see his dilemma on it. I mean, I don't agree with it. But the same notion. I could see where... A a stupid inbred piece of shit asshole will kind of sit there and get those two things together. So I get yeah. it. So he starts so he starts talking shit again. He's like, you know, basically, hey, you said you're gonna beat my fucking brains out. Well, come on over here. And Buff's like, yeah, keep talking, big man. Cause even though, you know, Buff did say he beat his fucking brains out, Buff Actually, also what's this, what's this motherfucker's name real quick? Hold on. I, I, I want to look him up real quick to see if he pulls up on Google. What's his name? Alan Funk. Wee wee. Alan. Wait, wait. Let, let me get this right. So Alan, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on here. So we'll do it live on the stage. Alan Funk. And let's see what pulls up. Um, okay. So he does pull up. That's great. Um, let's look at the images and let's see what the first couple images come up. Him? That guy, yeah. That guy? That guy. So <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. 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 So that's cool. That's cool. So he worked with them obviously in WCW. It looks like. Yeah. Um. So you have two. You have two photographs. One photo where his hair is like super spiked up, like he does like one of those little shock machines or shock bubbles. Yeah. That people do at the science museum. The second photo is with a picture with him and some chick. Oh wait, that's uh. Wait, is that fucking Booker T's wife? I think so. Cause she remember she used to be a Nitro girl. Okay. Cool. So you have him, and next one is uh Alan Funk, MD. <laughs> so you have two photos of this guy and it goes to a doctor out of sioux falls south dakota <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome yeah that's great and who's the third one alan funk is just a regular dude he looks like fucking like um whitey whitey whatever from like uh the departed or whatever uh shaved head green eyes like he looks like exactly what hitler was thinking about when it came to the perfect race <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, yeah. And then, like, I think 
photo number eight is where we finally get back to the wrestler. So, um, yeah, he's, 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 he's going to sit there and try to get some notoriety. Maybe he's got some beef with Buff back when he was on Thunder or back when he was on WCW because maybe he kind of outed him the wrong way or um, whatever. But I don't know much about Alan Funk because he never he never got on my radar. And the thing is, like, my radar is very wide. I try to listen to everything wrestling when it comes to New Japan, Ring of Honor, MLW. And I, I try to keep up with all that stuff going on because I, w- I always want to be a step ahead to see what's the next thing that's going to come out. Um, I'm sorry, but if your best match was against Barry Harwood's um, I don't think you're really going to do well because you're just, it's like when Barry Harwood's beats you, it's like, oh, Alan Funk, you are the next Barry Harwood. Slap your back, lose a whole bunch of matches. You should have been <laughs> in a job squad a long time ago. Um, I'm sorry, man. Like, I'll, he never got my radar. Buff Bagel, he's a, he's a household name. If you're living in Georgia, you know who Buff Bagel is. Fuck for the most of the South. And if you're watching wrestling during the 90s, you know who the fuck Buff Bagel is. When someone asks you, it's like, hey, do you know what Alan Funk is? It's like, why? Like, if you look up, if you, if you go look up Alan Funk, on Google, it says, why would you do that? <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I've never seen Google do that before. It's so weird. It's like, why would you do that? You never want to do that. That'd be horrible. And then he starts basically telling him, you know, you know, he said you're going to beat my fucking brains out. Now, Buff says, keep talking, big man. The reason he is is because, first of all, but as you mentioned before, Buff's still recovering from his knee injury. He's still Buff on- Buff cr- still beat his ass. I'm yeah. sorry. But, like, just, just based on what I see over here, Buff would, like, Buff could have no legs. Like, he could be amputated because, like, Buff Bagel went, like, skydiving on a fucking Sears Tower and, like, you know, there's no more legs. Buff Bagwell will whoop his ass in an ass kicking contest without fucking legs. I'm just saying. I'm sorry, yeah. but not so, yeah. sorry. So I'm saying there, there's that, but also Buff also doesn't want to run the risk of going to jail. Yeah, why would you? Yeah. He still has a court date coming up for what the incident that happened back in May that we've already talked about here on the Boochcast. So at, at, at the same time, the thing is like, is it really worth it? You're gonna be a tough guy. I tell you what, though, you want to talk some shit? Go in the ring, settle out there. If Buff's recovering, hey, you you you, you had the animosity, you got that fight, that hunger to get in the ring and try to do something about it. Wait, just wait a little bit of time. Buff will whoop your ass because guess what? They are rebuilding Buff, and when Buff gets in that fucking ring, though, he's gonna make sure everybody remembers who he was, who he is, and what he's gonna be so yeah Ella Funk talk all that shit whatever that's fine though go on your little rants go on your little podcast go on your little YouTube things whatever do what you gotta do though but you know what though the legacy of Buff is gonna be way better than whatever the fuck Alan Funk ever is if you go to a wrestling fan if we had a trivia let's say hypothetically we bought like um I'm gonna say just because I'm a correspondent let's say I had a prize of the AEW championship that I bought from t- um from Tony Khan not from the AEW shop but from Tony Khan it's a world title signed AEW signed title if i said who is alan funk i don't think anybody's winning a fucking title i'm sorry (laughs) it's not gonna fucking happen I know. So it gets better. So anyway, Funk starts yelling at him again, you know, and he's like, he's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, you so yeah, you, he's like, he's like, yeah, you're real tough now, talking tough on your podcast, calling me a bitch. And Buffalo Dober and said, you are a bitch. And then Funk's like, I'm not a bitch, you're a fucking bitch. And they just keep going back and forth. So, but Buff basically, but Buff literally. Was this recorded? I, I, I would love to watch it. There's a video. There's a video that exists because Alan oh, Funk oh. was recording this. So, oh, so he stirred the pot. He, he stirred the motherfucking pot. He's trying to stir the pot because he knows Buff can't fight. So that way, he look in the video and say, yeah, see, Buff back down. And then people, and then there were some of his fans buying into it. Like, oh, Buff had a chance to fight. He didn't want to fight. He backed down. He's scared and blah, 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 which is not true. But so anyway, now Alan Funk keeps looking at me. Now he goes, you have something you want to fucking say to me? And I said, dude, I'm, I'm not going to say anything to you. He goes, yeah, that's what I fucking thought. 
talking real tough on the fucking podcast. I said, dude, I'm not even on the podcast. And again, I'm being calm. Now, keep in mind, this guy's already called me fat fuck. Now, here's the thing. You guys, if you know me for a long time, you know. This is not the first time I've been called a fat fuck. If you remember my days I, on the I've regular said, guys, I've, you know I've, I've gone I've, through I've, the I've ringer. I've said it plenty of times, too. I've said, I've said a couple of times, too, just to fuck with you. But the thing is, like, you're taking the stride, so I love it. Well, yeah, but that's because I know you don't mean it in a hateful way. You're doing it in a ball-busting way because we're friends. So I don't take yeah. it that way. I don't know this guy. I barely remember him in WCW. And I'm not being, a, again, I'm not being a dick. I'm telling the truth. Sorry if it sounds dickish. I, but Wait, wait, I, I'm going to stop you right there. Let's 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 do a poll, okay? We, we kind of did it right now, but on Instagram or whatever. Actually, just as a, as a wrestling fan. So I want you to do two things. I want you to look up Alan Funk in Google and look at the photographs, okay? I just did it two seconds ago. Alan Funk, two photos. Then it was like some doctor up in Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota. And it was like some other doctor somewhere else. One guy who looked like Whitey Bulger from the fucking uh, Departed. So I can't distinguish, unless it was a wrestler, I'm like, oh, that's definitely a wrestler. I don't know what the fuck he is. I'll tell you what, go on Google, look at Buff Bagwell. I am literally going through pages of just photos and photos and photos of toys of of uh, him being in WWE. I got a picture of him riding a motorcycle, a fucking chopper for that matter, a buddy of him cheering with the crowd, uh, uh, you know, autographs. So if you're going to put apples to apples, oranges to oranges, look up who the fuck Alan Funk is, make you, make you decipher who's the better, who's had a better longevity when it comes to wrestling, and then look at Buff Bagwell. You look at Buff Bagwell, you got pages and pages and pages of shit of stuff he's done. He's, uh, you know, he's a classic in WWE superstars. I mean, there's pictures of him, like, you know, obviously, the American males, American males. American, American males. males, Stars and Stripes, NWO, Buff Bagwell, and I mean like fucking like his stint in WWE. There's photographs that goes for pages. We look at Buff Bagwell, but when you go to fucking like uh, what, what what's his name again? Um, Alan Funk. Al thank you, Alan Funk. The first two or of him and those photographs are fucking horrible. And you have like a fucking doctor from Sioux Falls, North Dakota. So yeah. sorry, but not so sorry, but I know who's the better of the two. I think he's trying to get some cheap heat and try to get some easy clicks, and you know. Uh, people like fucking Conrad Thompson, like that, those fucking assholes want to sit there and rip on Buff. And I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan of Buff Bagwell. I, I don't know him. I know you work with him. I respected his work, you know. Watching the documentary on Sting that was uncut, whatever. Buff was a big part of it, coming up, whatever. He was a bigger star. He knew how to entertain. He was the entertainer, not the wrestler. He wasn't the Bret Hart. He wasn't the Chris Benoit. He wasn't the Ric Flair. He was Buff fucking Bagwell. He brought the entertainment. And and also knew how... But his thing, he also knew how to work on top of being does. entertainment. Yeah. So Conrad Thompson with his half-ass backwards Alabama fucking mentality. Sorry for to be any people out there in Alabama or Tennessee, where the fuck he's from. I'm sorry, but like Conrad Thompson doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I know he's popular and he's got like all, you know, Jim Ross and Easy up there. And I trust me, I'd love to have those people on the show. If this never too. happens, I don't give a fuck. This is a hobby for me. But at the same time, it's like Conrad Thompson makes himself to be like this ever-knowing being of wrestling. I'm like, dude, you're not that great. He's really he's not. He's out of wrestling for many years. You fell off around, like, you weren't happy with the way, like, you're successful, fantastic. You own a real estate agency, you can sell houses, you built a good brand when it comes to selling houses. Then you got into the wrestling world, and you got into it early. So you had an early lead on to get, you know, guest spots with WWE superstars, with former WCW executives, and, like, wrestlers, and everything else. Dude, you did a good job. You had your pulse on social media a long time ago, and you and you were great for a long time. You fell off because everybody thought they were bullshit. You're kind of an asshole. You think, like, you're better than 
everybody else and you're truly not though and i'm sorry conrad but i thought i listened to you at first i thought you were okay at first i'm like okay he's a fan he's he's, he's dedicated but i'm like well i'm just conrad thompson this is the way i feel about things if, if you don't agree then you like he he feels like he's so much bigger than the stars he, that he's bringing on yeah it's not a matter of it's not a matter of can i annoy the shit out of you it's a matter of how much i i don't get it though i mean like, the thing is like you know he was good for a while he had his pulse on it he started his whole thing whatever and you know i'm always supportive of people who can sit there and get themselves over and make their podcast great and make your brand better but the thing is like he was successful before he had that yeah and then, like he's doing the podcast. but the thing is like now i feel like every time he brings a guest on to the show whatever i just feel like he thinks he's bigger than the stars he brings on so it could be it could be so cold steve austin it could be fucking um i don't know randy orton or seth rollins or roman reigns or whoever the fuck it is i just feel like conrad thompson feels like he's bigger than those stars and the people who's actually stepping foot into those rings and yeah he might sit there and host a whole bunch of wrestling shows i get it you get the financial means to do get it done it doesn't mean you're better than the stars of latter year entertainers when we're kids have respect i feel like he's just an ass when he feels like he's bigger than the stars he, that's he, out there oh he really is and we'll get into more of that later because i do have an article we're going to touch on but I, i'll finish the story so now again like ah, and the whole time this is happening i am and he, he at one point he looked at me he said keep eyeballing me you little fat fuck now this is the one thing that alan funk said that was true about me i was eyeballing him but not for the reasons he thinks i wasn't eyeballing him because i hated him or wanted to kick his ass I was eyeballing him because I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to go across that table and try to attack Buff. Because again, Buff's a tough motherfucker. He can handle himself. But I also know he's got one bad knee. You can't see it because Buff likes to not have his crutches with him as often as possible when he's around fans. He wants fans to see Buff and all his glory. If you see him with a crutch, it's because he's walking into the building or walking out of the building at the, at the start or the end of a show. But when he's around the fans, he wants to avoid his crutches as much as possible possible because he wants the fans to see buff in all his glory it's just who he is like, 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 like why don't you tell me the truth about buff bagel i think you're not saying it buff bagel is smashing so much fucking puss right now though he has to be in crutches poor guy yeah that poor crotch has been ridden so many times and sucked on so oh, many totally. different times poor buff has to walk on a fucking crutch poor guy yeah I, I, i'm not sure like that's the cross he has to bear he's buff fucking bagel he goes to the gym those gym rats are like oh my god it's buff bagel he's like i know but let's i can't fuck you right now my dick is literally broken because I fucked so many bitches this week. And, he's, and the totally. girl's like, just one more, please, Buff. And he's probably like, all right, the things I got to do for my fans. And he gets it done because exactly. that's what Buff Bagel does. So, so yeah, so he keeps, so, so now, and as I mentioned before, this is not the first time I've been called fat fuck. And it's not going to be the last. But third or fourth time he called me fat fuck. I became what Elvis liked to describe as an HR nightmare. HR nightmare! I fucking snapped. Because he's like, keep because he goes, keep eyeballing me, you little fat fuck. You talk real tough on your podcast. And then I said two words that as soon as I said them, my brain went, what the fuck are you doing? Suck it. Did and you I, say that? No, say, I, I, went, I, went, I went, look, motherfucker. And then my brain went, Vinny, what the fuck are you doing? Because I have no delusions of grandeur that I could beat up Alan Funk. But if he physically came after me or Buff, I would have tried. I will defend myself or defend Buff in that situation. So that's why I was eyeballing him. I wanted to make sure he wasn't going to do something fucking crazy. As long as he stayed near his table, not, I wasn't going to try or do nothing. But he comes at me and I went, I'm not on the fucking podcast. Which as And this part has gotten so popular, it's now becoming the modern day version of, it's still real to me, damn it. Like, I've become that kind of thing. You're like so infamously famous 
for not being famous. It's the best thing yeah. in the world. I was like, I'm not on the fucking podcast. He goes, yeah, you are. I said, it wasn't me. He goes, oh, yeah, it was you. I'm like, it's not fucking me. The guy lives in Ohio. He's the co-host. I don't have shit to do with the podcast. It's not fucking me. And this is how mad I was. I am fucking screaming at Alan Funk. To where now, the entire flea market can hear me motherfuck Alan Funk. They hear me just fucking going off. And Buff's, Buff was in a state of shock. Because once again, Buff's one of those people that doesn't see what Elvis and the rest of the group and what you guys see, which is Vinny, when Vinny gets to an angry point, there's no stopping him verbally. But they've Buff's never seen me get angry and pissed off. I'm going to stop you right there. So let me explain what happens to Vinny Bucci, which is one of my favorite moments in life. Please so do. I think one of the reasons I'm really best friend or friends or you're best friends with Desmond. I get it, though. I'm, I'm second in line. Um, I have my application set in. But one of my favorite moments... And Vinny's life is, is when he snaps. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're in a show, and, like, you might hear Vinny get pissed off about AEW stuff, right? You, you, you know, hey, I'm Vinny Bucci, fuck this shit, because why the fuck would you, like, that's the Vinny Bucci we know, and we love, and we listen to, but when you see it live in real life, like, for regular shit, like, when we have, like, shitty friends who do shitty things, or um things that really piss off Vinny Bucci, um, it's my moment of zen. I, I, I just sit back, like, the same times when, like, Vinny hears me, like, send text messages or do something creative or do something stupid or whatever. That moment for me is what Vinny does for me when he flips out. And I, it's like, um, the best way to describe it is like, you know how a diesel engine, I'm not sure if you guys are gearheads or anything, but for the people who know what a diesel engine works with. Now, if you ever try to burn diesel, you can listen to their light a match on diesel. A diesel gas, when you try to light it, it'll take about a minute for it to burn. But here's the thing. Once you burn it, it won't fucking stop. You can put throw water, you can do whatever. It takes a long time for a diesel gas to burn out. But it's just that. You can sit there and let a, you can, you can, you can light a match. You can burn him at first. He'll be like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? But once you wake up that sleeping dragon, holy shit, step back because Vinny Bucci will have your fucking ass. He's a, like the best way to describe it. Vinny Bucci is a diesel engine because it'll take a lot of shit for a bit to be cordial, to be not an HR nightmare. But once he fucking flares off, he's like that red dude in fucking inside, you know, that movie with the cartoons where like um everybody had their own emotions Vinny's like the guy in red where he just turns the fire he's like fuck let's do this shit that that's Vinny Bucci when he flicks out so uh continue your story buddy all right so I verbally go off and then and then uh, finally after I tell him it's not fucking me Alan yells back at me and goes well then you look the other way and quit fucking eyeballing me and I said fine all right and then he talks out what you pushed out and said okay at that point yeah I was ending it because what am I gonna do? Fight okay, so, the guy? So, so wait, were you? Were you? I have to say this. Did you listen to my advice and say be, be the bigger man and walk away? Is that the time you used that notion for me? Yes. Wow. At that Vinny, point, you've grown so much at in the that, past. 10 at that years. point, I walked away because, like I said, I'm not. I'm not dumb enough to fight this guy. Because even though you see those pictures right there, he's in much better shape now than he was in his prime as a wrestler. So that's a. There's a different Alan Funk than what you see there. But again, I, I would have seen him. I, I, I would have punched him right in the dick. I believe me. If he had, it, now, like I said, there's only two ways I was fighting this guy. If he tried to, is if he physically hit me first, or tried to, or went after Buff. If he went after one of us physically, I, I need to start going to the shows with something. you, man. Because like, seriously, I need to start going to the shows with you, and like I'll, I'll know when to stop and when to start. But like that situation, hindsight's twenty twenty though. But I've been like, hey, let me take care of this. Can I, like, as your assistant to the regional manager, kind of Dwight Schrute, a little. 
position I have here. Yes. Yeah. I totally would. I totally would have like decimated that motherfucker. But go well, ahead. Well, here. So here's what happened. So eventually, I walk away because uh, what I went to do is I went to look for the promoter's wife because I had borrowed a charger from her because when Buff and I got to the flea market, both our phones were dead. I charged my phone, then I charged Buff's phone. This lady who was running like a hot dog stand outside was generous enough to let us use her power strip to charge our phones. So I go looking what, for- What's the plug for that? What's the plug for that? What, what What's the name of the hot dog stand? Let's plug it. I don't, it didn't have a name. It was just people. Big ding dongs, go ahead. Yeah, so I go over there and as I'm walking towards them, the promoter, not Teddy Long, but the other promoter, because Teddy Long was like the host, but there was a guy that was booking and paying everyone. Okay comes up to me and he's trying to tell me he said he said he said look I don't know what's going on but you know there's kids over here and I'm still kind of amped up I don't cuss at him, but I look at him and go, and the guy's name is Phil. I said, look, Phil, I can be calm around children, all right? I can watch my language. But when a guy gets in my face and wants to fuck with me, what am I supposed to do? And he just looks at me and goes, yeah, I know, I know. But he's, he, he, once I explained to him what was going on, so I start telling him what's going on. As I'm talking to the promoter, Alan Funk comes walking towards me. And I'm thinking, what the fuck's about to happen now? Is he going to fight me? Like, that's my first thought is, am I going to have to defend myself or am I in for the ass kicking of my life? What the fuck's about to happen here? Here's what happens. Alan comes up to me and he says, and he's calm, kind of, kind of not really has his head down, but you can, I can tell the look on his face. He's got a very humbled look on his face and he comes up to me and says, Hey buddy, um, a friend of mine just showed me a picture of Buff's co-host. And I now just found out it wasn't you. Now, I still have my issues with Buff, but I don't do that guilty by association bullshit. I'm a man. I want to look you in the eye and say I was 150% in the wrong. I shouldn't have cussed at you. And I'm sorry. And he stuck his hand out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you went through all this turbulent fucking craziness and he was completely in the wrong. He came up to you and he apologized? To me. Not to Buff, but to me. So, but, but, but to you, I'm like, obviously he was calling you fat fuck like 655 times. So he... So he tells you, I don't believe in the general association, but yet he did straight away. So even though he did apologize, which is great, the thing is like, if they bury everything he said he didn't do, it's exactly what he fucking did. Well, yes and no. But when I, what, what, here's the thing. The reason he came after me was because he thought I was talking shit about him. When he but realized wait, wait, wait. I wasn't. I, 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 I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to pause you right there. Just based on that conversation alone, he thought you were who he thought he was. So without doing research, looking into it, he did. seeing everything else, he generalized you just based on what you looked at. And let's face it, from what we all base on when we look at him, we have a generalization about him too, but yet we didn't take that route, but you were the bigger man. Now, it's cool that he apologized to you, but at the same time, he's telling you that he doesn't generalize people by association, but yet that's the very first thing he did. Don't take that away from everybody. He may apologize and shook your hand, but he very much generalized you from the get-go. Don't yeah. let that go. It's true. Yeah. I mean, like you can't, Oh, he definitely did. He, he definitely right did. He definitely did. I'm just he saying that. I'm just saying that he thought I, when he when he realized I wasn't talking shit about him, he went, "Oh fuck," and apologized. But the other thing is this: he, I explained to him. I said, "Look, Buff and I are friends." I'm also his manager, and I work for him. But I don't control what is said on the podcast. This is my role on Rebuilding Buff. I'm going to tell you what happens. 
Okay, Michael and Buff set a time to record. I bring my laptop, because Buff doesn't have one. I bring my traveling microphone, which is similar to the one that Elvis uses when he records. I have the traveling mic. I plug it into the laptop. I set up the Skype call. I talk to Michael for a few minutes to make sure the audio and everything's working perfectly. Buff sits down. I get him his top hat. I get him his sunglasses. I get him a drink if he wants it. But once they start recording, I leave the room. And I'm doing one of three things. I'm either A, taking care of some business that I can take care of on my own, whether it's buff related or boots related. Two, I'm watching TV. Or three, like I did the most recent recordings he did, I'm taking a nap. I am nowhere near the room when they're recording. I go out of my way to be away from the room so I don't make any noise, so I don't disrupt the show. I let Buff do his thing, whether it's his podcast or a podcast that he's appearing on for somebody else. I leave the room. So I have no control over what is said. Whatever Buff says, says. It's of the views and events that Buff expresses are completely his own and don't necessarily reflect my opinion. So I explained that to him. He stuck his hand out and because the promoter's there and this was Vinny being the professional starts to kick in in me, I shook his hand and I thanked him for his apology and moved on. Because if Buff ain't gonna kill him, what am I gonna kill him for? And he was man enough to admit that he was wrong and he even said on his podcast, I listened to it, he actually gave me credit for standing up to him. He said, he said, I'm not gonna lie, that, that kid stood up for himself and, the, and his co-host was like, you know, he, said, he said, I'm watching that video and I'm thinking, that boy better take the bass out of his voice. Well, here's the thing. As Elvis mentioned before, when I go, I go. At that point, there was no taking the bass out of my voice at that point. I was fucking mad, and I said what I had to say. Because here's the thing. You want you, you want to call me fat fuck, that's fine. Don't accuse me of shit I didn't do. I don't respond well to false accusations. If you're going to accuse me of a crime, it better be a crime I actually fucking did. Because if I talk shit about somebody, I'll say it. But if I didn't talk shit, I'm not going to confess to something I didn't do. And I'm not going to let somebody go around going, yeah, you talk shit about Alan Funk. I didn't say shit about this man. Nothing. The only thing I said to him was what I said face-to-face at that event. He apologized. I accepted it. We shook hands, and it was done. Now, whatever happens going forward between him and Buff is between him and Buff. I said my piece and said what I needed to say because I will not allow myself or anybody to accuse me of shit that I didn't do, and I did. I stood up for myself because I was like, I'm not going to accept this, and they chose to videotape it, and I'm on there fucking screaming and said what I needed to say, and at one point, there were some people that gave Alan shit for um, calling me fat fuck. They said he was body shaming. And Alan said something interesting that I actually, I'm going to say this, I agree with him on this. He said, he said, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a big difference between body shaming somebody and going after somebody that talks shit about you. He said, that's not body shaming, that's putting a motherfucker in his place. Which I agree with. But where Alan Funk went wrong was, he was trying to put the wrong motherfucker in his place. That's where he fucked up. So I agree. If somebody gets in your face or is talking shit about you, you say what you got to say. But where Alan went wrong was he went after me when he should have went after the other guy. Not that I'm saying he should. I'm just saying. And Michael even messaged him later and said, by the way, you got the wrong fat fuck, which I laughed hysterically at. And I don't have to talk shit about Alan Funk because Michael on Instagram already trashed him back to the Stone Age. So there ain't shit I need to say. But I just had to tell that story. That's what happened. So you see the video. I The thing that stood out was me and people even i had some wrestlers even call me later going dude i can't believe you fucking did that i was like yeah i was that pissed yeah you guys you guys don't know <clears throat> when you guys see a vinnie bucci in his in his uh natural element his natural environment again he's very much a diesel engine you know you try to sit there and try to poke the bear over and over 
again, and he'll probably turn over, get rowdy. He might yell. He might roar. But, like, once you get past the, the threshold, and you really get the full wrath of the Vinny, the full wrath of the Bushi, because um, it runs in his family. It does. Um, <laughs> Vinny is very much um, his father. Yes. But much younger. Um, so with that said, though, uh, if you guys never felt the va- the wrath of Vinny, I've never had to feel it because uh, I would definitely say I'm definitely a cool guy. Yes. Um, I am very laid back. Even when I'm drinking, I've been drinking all night tonight. I am not an asshole. I don't say shit. Um, I think I'm very funny I, I to myself, my wife, uh, not so much, maybe. But, um, you know, I think I'm pretty witty and clever. And um, that's just the way I, th- I think about myself. But um, have you ever seen Vinny Bucci and his elements really get down? It's like, it doesn't happen often. It, it happens more often. Like I remember, he used to freak out when I used to like he used to come home from like Lowe's or yeah, um, or from like what was it Lowe's Home and Depot? Place Home Depot. So he, I'm like, dude, that's why I came up with the hashtag, you know, fucking HR nightmare because I could I could start a company today. It could be like maybe a motivational thing, or it could be like a roofing company, or it could be a taxi cab company. I'll tell you this right now. I love you, Vinny. You're a great friend. I would never fucking hire you like ever. <laughs> you are a fucking HR nightmare. I cannot take you anywhere. I I, I mean. I could take you to places like, you know, like regular restaurants and everything else. But yeah. Because you're cool like that. You know what person I wouldn't take in public? Fucking Zachariah Scott. <laughs> Fuck that guy. I love him. But Vinny Bucci, when you get him on his bad side and you hear that fucking wrath, it's fucking golden. It's like me going on a rant and everything's fucking clicking. That's Vinny. And it happens so naturally. I'm sitting back like eating popcorn like, God, this is fucking great. This, 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 this is what you wait for, you know? It's like wrestling. It's like not all of it's fucking gold, but when it's fucking good, it's fucking good. And yeah. I live those moments. So that's just me personally and, and if you need proof that i am my father I, i'll tell this story and then and then if elvis wants to share the the slipknot thing he can but i, I gotta i gotta share this story um as oh, you guys we have a segue. go ahead okay so anyway but here's what happened so recently um there was the river city wrestlecon came to jacksonville florida what? back in june back in june okay yes and i'm making a note of that because my goal is to get buff on that next year um okay but by the time yeah, we, i found missed, out we, about it, it it was too late yeah, we, to we, apply we we missed we missed the target date on it. That's fine. Yes. We, we were, we're still fresh and new in this whole different role you have right now. But, exactly. Um, and you know, for next time. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, failure sometimes is the biggest critic and the biggest wake up to. So uh, you'll be on for next year. So go on. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I, I've explained to Buff is that I'm because I, I became his manager like in May. So a lot of these Comic Cons and, and Wrestle Cons, they plan shit months in advance. So it's hard to get booked at the last minute unless you, unless you like know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, whatever. Oh, by the way, by the way, I, I'm going to throw it out there. You got to do the New York Comic Con because it looks like a lot of wrestlers got booked there. Um, another one being Dan Housen. I know I'm a big mark for him yeah. lately. Um, but like, uh, do the New York one if you can possibly get into there because yeah. New York's going to be a big market. And I think oh, uh, you guys if, have the chops for it. Oh, if, oh yeah, trust me. I, I'm looking at each of the Comic Cons. My goal is when we hit the new year, I'm going to grab all of them as many or as many as I can get. Trust me, I'm, I've got my eye on a few of them. But River City's one of them. So my dad told me about it a couple days beforehand. He because one of the hotels that was sponsoring it was the hotel that my father was working at at the time. So and my mom was going down there to visit him for the summer. So but my mom, my dad didn't want my mom to make the trip by herself. So he said, "Hey, there's this WrestleCon thing here. Why don't you go to it and you drive down with your mom and I'll fly you back the next day." So and he bought me a plane ticket to go home the next day. So I said, "Okay." So I go to 
my mom and I are driving six hours to Jacksonville. That morning, now since my dad was behind the hotel, a lot of the wrestlers, some of them big names, were staying in the hotel. One of those men was a gentleman by the name of Rick Steiner. Braun Breaker's dad? Braun Breaker's dad uh, was there. And apparently at the hotel, there was some kind of maintenance issue. Like some of the some of the tech stuff was down and they were doing some routine maintenance. So things were taking longer than normal. And apparently Rick Steiner has an ugly meltdown in the hotel. And he starts fucking yelling and screaming. And he's cussing at the employees and saying stuff like, you're going to pay for my meal meals and shit like this he's just going the fuck off Rick Snyder? yes like the bulldog like the the dog the, the, the dog the dog face retard i dog, mean gremlin the, the, the dog face gremlin right dog face gremlin what the fuck goes the fuck off my dad who is the gm of the hotel sees this happening now my dad kicks things off the professional way by basically saying okay he said he said sir um if there's an issue can you please calm down i need you to not yell at the employees uh we'll we'll figure the situation out and rick steiner looks at my dad and says fuck you wow well so time out i'm not sure if you ever met vinnie bucci's dad and for most of you you probably haven't I've met the guy, and I think I'm a very sociable person. I get along great with uh, Vinny's mom. She's, like, one of my favorite people in the world. She's super awesome. Uh, Vinny Boosie's dad, I tried to make a connection with the guy just to talk to him and ask him about, you know, football, baseball, whatever, whatever he's watching or movies, whatever. And we chat. Our chat usually lasts about a minute and a half, and that's me trying, like, my hardest. And it's hard to get a conversation because he's very to his guns and everything else. I feel like I have a great acquaintance with Vinny's dad. Yeah. But I could see it in his eyes. And, you know, you meet people in your life where, like, oh, if something was to happen, I want this guy on my side. Yes. And uh, he's very much that person. So I'm going to step out from this little thing and let Vinny finish the story. Go ahead. So Rick Steiner goes, fuck you. Big mistake. My dad says, get out. He's like, what? He said, you heard me. Get your shit and get the fuck out. And Rick says the dumbest thing at this point. He goes, I want to speak to the manager. For those of you playing the home game, my father is the general manager of this hotel. He is the top spot in the hotel. Like, he has bosses that are higher than him, but they stay in a corporate office. So in this hotel, my dad is the, the head. He rules the coup. Yeah, he, 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 rules. Is the, he is the main cock. He is the main roost. He Go is on. the cock of the walk in this hotel. So my dad says, I'm the GM, and I'm going to tell you one more time. Get your shit and get the fuck out of my hotel. Damn. Because you're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to talk to my employees that way. I don't care where you go, but you're not fucking staying here. Now you can leave on your own or I can call security. How you want to do this? Long story short, they put a leash on the dog face gremlin and walked him out. And my dad is telling me this story because here's the thing. My father is old school. In this situation, he can't back down. But the second Rick Steiner is out of his point of view, like the the thing's over. Now, I'll say this again recently. My father, I'll tell this story later. I won't tell it now because we got enough things to cover today. My father, about a year ago, had a heart attack. He's okay now, but still, he can't get his blood pressure up past a certain point because of his heart. So as soon as this is over, it drained so much of his energy. He had to go upstairs to this hotel that he was staying in because his apartment wasn't ready yet at the time. Now he lives in an apartment in Jacksonville. He had to go He had to go sleep in a hotel for an hour. He had to lay down and get his blood pressure back to normal because it had risen so high because my father went full-blood old-school Italian. The only thing missing was the curb stomp. Uh, so he kicks Rick out of the hotel. Moments later, my father gets a phone call from Rick Steiner's manager, agent, handler, whoever the fuck this guy is. And he tries to, and Elvis, you'll love this. He tried to power play my dad. Wow. 
Basically, this is what he said. He tried to pull a bully ring. He's like, do you know who we are? My dad said, I give a fuck who you are. You're not going to disrespect my hotel and my employees. I don't give a fuck who he is. And the guy tried to threaten him saying, you know, I got so many wrestlers staying in here. I can shut this whole event down. I can pull all these wrestlers out. And my dad just goes, all right, pull them. Dead air silence on the phone. Because this guy did not expect this. He's like, what? He goes, you heard me. Pull it. You think you think I give a fuck about you? You think I give a fuck about this event? I don't give a shit. Pull it. I don't care. I got people who stay here regardless. I don't give a fuck what you do. You want to pull it, a be my fucking nightmare. guest. My dad said, you want to pull it, be my fucking guest. All of a sudden, now, this manager backed down and now starts to apologize to my dad. He's like, he's like, I'm sorry. He said, fuck your apology. He's like, I'm going to tell you what. I'll tell you what I'll do. The other wrestlers that were here haven't caused any trouble. So I'm going to let them stay. But you and Rick... Get the fuck out. Pack your shit and go. This happened hours before I got to the hotel. Wow. So my mom and I finally get there. Keep in mind, I'm going to the River City Comic Con. I see Rick Steiner's table. I go nowhere near it. Even though I could have gone over there and said hi to Scott, because I know Scott Steiner, who, by the way, contrary to popular belief, he's a nice guy unless you piss him off. Steiner's a lot more calm and mellow now than he was 20 years ago. Apparently, the fact that he's married and has kids, it's changed him a little bit. So he's a lot more nicer and patient with people. Just But if you, but if you piss him off, he'll make you pay for it. But he's not as much of a hot head as he was in the 90s. So, I've met Scott. Scott Steiner, Big Papa Pump, awesome guy. I've seen that guy be nothing but nice and nothing but professional and very rarely loses, blows his top at people. Like, again, unless you really piss him off. I mean, that's, that's anybody, right? Yeah. I mean, that's anybody. Yes, but yeah, so I'm saying. So, Big Papa Pump is cool. Rick can eat a dick. That's where I stand. <laughs> Got you. So, but yeah, so that literally fucking happened. My dad kicked Rick Steiner out of his hotel. That's pretty nice. That's, that's a good story. Um, right. That's, <laughs> your, your dad's pretty hard core man i would not fuck with your dad your dad's um i, I want i mean like it's weird i don't think about my dad or whatever but it's like um i hang out with him and i feel like i have to prove myself to him for some reason he, he just commands that respect yeah where you want to make him happy but you don't know why it's like weird like i have no affiliate no affliction to the man except for me being friends with you but when i'm over there i'm, I'm just like i really want to gain his like it's weird you meet him and you want to gain his respect for no fucking reason i'm an adult i'm 41 years old i don't need to grab anybody's attention or i respect or anything else but for some reason with him it's like you meet him it's like i want him to like me and i don't care about anybody liking me outside of this like you could hate me on instagram you could tell me how much i suck uh whatever um but for this man, it's like I wouldn't be like, man, I really want to impress this guy for some reason. Why? And I, have to, it's it's the it's like weird. I don't get it. it. Maybe it's some kind of New Jersey thing. I don't know. It's weird. But um, do you want to tell the the concert story, or do you want to move on to the wrestling talking article? Yeah, I'll talk about the concert story. It's fine. So um, so let me break the premise of this. So I'm 41 years old right now. I'm more of a mellow guy. I know I'm kind of crazy off the rant sometimes and tell wild stories. But um, you know, when I was younger, I listened to more aggressive music, music that. That, uh, you know, I was I was kind of mad back then. You know, I think when you're younger, you're really mad. So you grow up and you come here to your teens, whatever, and then you become like 18, 19 years old, whatever, and like you're just mad at the world. Like, you know, your life is changing. You're supposed to grow into this person that society and the world wants to get you to, and like you're not quite there. At least I wasn't. I know a lot of people who are 18 years old and they had their mindset like I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna go do my my thing, whatever, and go into the corporate world and take over the world. So 
some people decided to take the army route, then go to college and do things. Like for me, I wasn't quite there. I was still a fucking kid at 18 years old, 19 years old, and um, I wasn't really there. So I, I listened to a lot of music. I listened to like, you know, Rage Against the Machine, System of Down, Slipknot, and I still happen to go to a Slipknot concert. Now, I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan where I have t-shirts or bumper stickers or any of that, any of that shit. If you've, if you've known me for my years, Vinny, have I been a fan of anything where you see a brand on my t-shirt, like where it shows, oh, this guy likes wrestling or this guy likes whatever. Do I wear anything that indicates I like anything really? Not really. I, I've, I've only seen you wear a wrestling shirt like a handful of times, but uh -huh. in general, like even when we go to wrestling events, there's there's times where you have and there's times where you haven't. Like you'll, you'll just you, dress you'll normal. Really find me. I do have a, I, have, I think I have maybe one wrestling shirt. It's um obviously the infamous uh, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, and Young Bucks, but it was before Adam Cole went over to um, NXT. NXT. So it was a very old shirt. And and Vinny, you've got me a couple shirts too, but I don't want to be one of those people who receives gifts and gives to other people. But um, you've gave me like plenty of shirts. You gave me a Dan, uh, an Ambrose Asylum shirt. You got me a whole bunch of different stuff, whatever. Yeah. I just don't wear them, so I give them to friends who would wear them. So I know it's kind of weird. So I wasted so, my money, is what you're saying. Unless it's a Kenny Omega shirt or a CM Punk shirt or a Danhausen shirt, then it's probably worthless. So I love you. <laughs> I don't take it the wrong way. But back then, so let's go back to my youth. So back to my wasted youth. Um, I used to go to Oddfest and see all these different shows. I used to go to Slipknot concerts, so I know how a show works. I, I I used to go to punk rock shows. I used to go to like hip hop shows. I used to go to like live nights. So I know what to expect of a certain genre when it comes to um, concerts. Like, you know, I got to go to a Beastie Boys. I could go to a, a Garth Brooks concert, you know? I've been to a lot of different shows. I've been to Fish. I've been to Wu-Tang. I've been to Racist Machine. I've been to Radiohead. I've been to Foo Fighters. I've been to Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, name it. I've pretty much done it. So if they're around in the 90s to 2000s, I probably went to the shows because of like maybe a festival that portrayed a whole bunch of different bands. Now, I've seen Slipknot before. I'm not saying I'm a crazy fan of theirs. I think they have some good titles and some good songs, but I don't live my life. I don't dedicate my life to dressing that part because heavy metal is very much a thing like, it's not like you're in and you're in and that's all there is. But for me, it's like, you know, I don't want to wear black shirts all the time. I don't want to sit there and wear the, the, the stupid masks or whatever. There's some that are fun like anything else. Like, you know, I, I think of Slipknot in the same level I think about Kiss. Um, in the same essence, I would think like maybe uh, who's another one of those like little gimmick bands, whatever, like Aerosmith or something, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they have their their genre, their their little shtick that works for them. And Slipknot, very much so, they're heavy metal. Um, don't get me wrong, they put on a great fucking show. They they fucking do. It's 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 second to none. I've seen Ozfest many years. I've been to Rod Zombie. Um, you know, I've seen Pink Floyd many times. I saw Roger Waters. Um, so I've seen a lot of different shows, and they put on a great show. But it's not really particularly my take. But um, Zach's like a couple months ago. He's like, hey, if you know, if Vinny just falls through, or if Desmond falls through, or if this person falls through, would you go to the concert? I'm like, well, you know what though? Ask them first, and if they can't go, fuck it, I'll go. Why not? You know, it's a free concert. It's you know, passport pandemic. I have nothing else really going on that night. Let's do it. So we go to the concert. You know, we get there a little bit earlier. We go to the gas station, get some beers. Now I'm driving myself, so I maybe had half a beer, but I was just there to for Zach to have a good time. That was my whole point, case in point, was to just sit there and support my friend to go hang out with his kind of people, which it kind of worked out. We went to the show, parked the car, and Zachary was fat, was was fucking like fist bumping people and high-fiving people because they had a corn shirt or they had a Slipknot shirt or a kill switch engage. Um, It was nothing more fun than watching Zach and his elements um, hang out with some other like-minded people who love the heavy metal scene or whatever. It was pretty cool. The 
I just say I watched four bands from 5.30 up until, fuck, 11 o'clock. Um, it was Code Orange, Theory 3333, uh, Kill Switch Engage, and then Slipped on Itself. Show was fun. Man, a lot of great people. It was a lot of great stuff going on. But here's the thing that pissed me off at the end. So that, that weekend, I had my daughter. And I decided to not spend the afternoon with her because I want to hang out with Zach because he wanted to go to the show. So I had to take my car, drive from Canton to Alpharetta or to Cumming, uh, pick him up, and then go to the concert. So we watched the show. I know a lot of people want to sit there and watch for the encores. And don't get me wrong. If it was a band I loved, I would have stayed for encores tour too but i only had breakfast that morning and when i left it was around one o'clock or two o'clock i didn't have lunch i missed it because i was like okay i want to go meet up with zach we didn't have lunch we didn't have dinner i didn't eat until like fucking midnight that night so the only time i ate was 10 o'clock that morning when the last show when the last song was played before the encore i told zach hey meet me i, I i've been walking back and forth i texted zach i'm like dude we have to go at least come up next to the stage or come next to the stairs before the exit because um we could uh, beat the traffic. I want to grab something to eat because I'm super fucking hungry. I'm I'm hangry. I'm tired. I'm hungry. And as soon as I get his fucking attention to come go, he sneaks back to the fucking concert. So I had to go back to him like, dude, let's fucking go right now. I have to fucking go. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I want to go. I get his attention. He comes with me again. And the motherfucker runs back. Like, he's like a fucking adolescent kid. It pissed me off. Like, it sounds funny. Like, trust <laughs> me, if it was me, I would have laughed too. But he runs back to the concert. I'm like, you motherfucker. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. So the text me. I'm like, hey, I'm Walk into my car right now. If you're not out within three minutes, by the time I make this little turnaround from the time I get to my car to let it warm up and then turn around, you're done. He comes out. I'm like, you better hurry to fuck up. Comes out and then he gets pissed off at me. Like he was a fucking encore. I'm like, dude, fuck you, bitch. I drove you here. I'm tired. I'm gonna drop you off within five minutes because you live about five minutes away from here. I still have to drive about another 45 minutes to close to an hour to get back home. So don't fucking talk to me, asshole. I should I should just let him Uber back home and say, was the encore worth it? I didn't. I waited for him, dropped him home. He's like, it was fucking fun, right? I'm like, and then the worst thing is he justifies it by saying like, hey, uh, I know you stayed late, but uh, you know the Braves won the first game, right? Or the, the Braves won tonight. And I'm like, how does that justify the fact that you just pissed me off? The whole day was okay. I dealt with it. I got through it. And you're a fucking asshole. Oh, I know. So that was my fucking concert experience with fucking Zachariah Scott. So oh. right now, like, I'll tell you this though. I, I can hang out with the guy. I will hang out with him if he happens to be in the same place. But if he ever wants to go to a WrestleMania or wants to go to a fucking bar where I have to I'll tell you this, I will never drive the man anywhere, nor will I ever drop him off anywhere, ever. So if he needs a ride to go home, he knows better than to call me. If he's picked up from somewhere, I will never pick him up. If he happens to be in the same place with me, I'll hang out with him and have a good time. But if it comes to being either dropped off or picked up, never again. He's burned that bridge. I'm done. Yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, is that let me, I'm going to tell you all something right now. That This is the tame version of this story. Because that night, Elvis called me steaming fucking pissed. Like, it was the angriest I had seen him in a long time. Because, you know, Elvis vents from time to time, you know, but he rarely ever gets, like, fucking, like, pissed. Like I do. So when he does, I'm listening. Because it's a rarity. And... Dude, you, I, I, I'm saying you're handling this a lot better now than you did when you called me. Because you I were know. fucking livid. Yeah, I was. I mean, guys, he was livid. And the funny part was the next day, I'm out with Buff. And I was taking like, I was outside because Buff and Sherry were there. So I was, I was having a smoke break with Sherry while Buff was, you know, sleeping off after he'd just eaten. And 
Zach called me. And first he called to tell me that I need to talk to Maria because something major happened. But Maria told me later that, you know, everything's fine. Zach just likes to blow shit out of proportion. I said, okay, thank you. But he brought up the concert and I said, dude, you know you pissed Elvis off, right? And here's the funny part. He spent the next 10 minutes trying to justify to me <laughs> what happened. Like, he's like, dude, it's the encore and all that. And I'm like, dude, Elvis drove you. Here's where you messed up. I told Zach, here's where you messed up. I get it. It's the encore. I said, here's where you messed up, Zach. First of all, when Elvis said it was time to leave and you say yes, that's the end of the discussion. Now, if you want to say, I want to stay for the encore and you guys have that discussion, that's another story. But if you already said, dude, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I want to go home, let's go, let's beat the traffic. Zach said, yes. First of all, you already committed to it right there. First of all, second of all, and and I've been in this situation before where I didn't like it, not with Elvis, but with like my dad and other people. Elvis is the fucking driver. If the driver says you're leaving, you're leaving. <laughs> he told me you're going with the Uber or you call a Lyft and get something done. I'll be like, all right, cool. If I'm driving you home, I'm going home when I go home. Yeah, like that's how every driver is. How many times have you been in a situation where, where you didn't want to leave a party, but the person who drove you got pissed off and wanted to leave and you were like, I'm sorry, he's my ride and shit. Like that happens. You drive with somebody and that person abruptly leaves. Unless you have an alternate route to get home, you're going home with the driver. Like there's been times where Buff and I were invited to after parties after matches but buff said i said i'm tired i want to go home i took him home there was no fight there was no argument i told buff I was like hey if you want to go to the party i'll go to the party if you want to go home i'll go home you pick he chose home we went home like that that's the end of the discussion i keep trying to explain to zach like dude like you you pissed elvis off but he tried to he, he tried to justify it i said dude once again you're wrong and I, i've said it before and i'll say it again i wouldn't be your friend if i didn't tell if i wasn't honest with you and you were wrong in this case and i I know because I've been guilty of this shit before because I remember the only time I ever did that to somebody was once and that was in 2004 when my dad took me to Monday Night Raw and it was in 2004 and it was before Wrestlemania 20 and it was the night The Rock came back to help mankind. My dad wanted to leave as Mick Foley was cutting that promo and we were about to go halfway up the stairs. They played The Rock's theme song and I ran back to my seat. <laughs> I was like, and I told and my dad and I had that argument. And I was, and at the time, I tried to justify it to my dad, like it's the Rock. How often does he come back? Now, at the time, I thought I was right. I looked back on it. My dad was right. I should have left when he wanted to leave. So I was a dick that night. But I also will reiterate, it was 2004. So that's like you know, long, long as time ago. But point is, no, you the driver wants to leave, you leave. That's the rule. Driver, driver calls the shots on a road trip. The driver calls the shots. There's you either go with the driver or you find alternate means of transportation no, he was selfish man it pissed me off i'm like you know what though i'm done because um whatever if we're in the same place we're cool but i'll never pick him up or drop him off anywhere yeah. in my car he'll never be again okay then uh he's he's banned from my car okay hey i'm not gonna argue with you man <laughs> you do what you gotta do on that one if he, if he goes to wrestlemania with us <clears throat> it's because it's a group thing i'm not driving or taking my car if i take my car to wrestlemania he's not gonna be in it ever <sighs> and that's and like he, he, he might sit there and be like you're pissed off for no reason or you're pissed off for whatever no i'm pissed off for a reason because i give him a lot of shit about his life about how he can do better and everything else and we got past that but if i take time away from me to not spend with my wife and my kid i spend a whole fucking day with you pretty much a whole afternoon with you and then when it's time for me to go because i i'm tired because i want to go because i have to drive back all the way back to my house to you it's no big deal because you get dropped off first regardless i know it's your favorite band and everything else and you waited for a long time but if it was that worth that much you'd be like elvis leave i got uber i'll pay for it it's fine but you take my time away and by the way the mcdonald's in this area is closed it's not 24 hours
course. I had to go to a fucking racetrack to buy some hot dogs to eat something because I had nothing to eat fucking all day pretty much. Except oh, yeah. for like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I know. It was It's crazy. And and that's true. And, and that's, the, that's the other factor. It's like, it's one thing, you know, you you know, you were taking time away from your wife. You know, I, and obviously I love Lee Marie. I think the world of her. But at the same time, you you see your wife every day. So it's one thing, I mean, to, to not see to not be around your wife for a day. You only get your daughter every other week. True. That's so that right there is the biggest factor. Because like, okay, you miss, you know, you know, okay, so you go one day without seeing your wife. You'll see her tomorrow. Zoe, you're not gonna see till the following week. Yep. Once that day's gone, that there's a whole week where she, there's a whole week where she's with the baby mama. I only say baby mama because I don't want to say her name on the podcast. So I don't know how she feel mm-hmm. about that. No, I mean, you should be fine with it, but at the same time, like, it's absolutely true. I don't spend a lot of time with her, and that was the weekend I had her. And I already made a, I made a commitment to Zach to get it done. But the thing is, like, he wasn't thoughtful about that situation. He was more worried about his own fun. Like, what's going on? It means, like, either two things, he disrespects me, or two, he disrespects my time, and both are equally bad, so fuck him. I mean, that's, and that was a crazy factor, because there's been times before where, you know, we've always, where, we want, where we've wanted to invite Elvis to things, and you'd be like, nah, I got my daughter that week. And we even said, hey, bring her over, man. We, you, you can hang out with her. He's like, you you really value that time with your daughter, where you want it to be just you and her and, and Lee Marie if she comes along. So My whole life is based around my daughter. So when I have her on exactly. that weekend, like for instance, like there's a, there's a lot of times I can't do D&D or I can't sit there and hang out with you guys when you guys are recording something because I'm my daughter. And um, I love you guys. I love this podcast and everything else. But when it comes between me hanging out with my daughter and doing a podcast or with, hanging out with my friends, I choose her every day of the week. And you guys understand that because you guys totally. are understanding great people. Yeah. Um, where he he thinks about himself and he can't look past himself because I don't think he has the fortitude to even know what that is. Yeah. I mean, it was why it was the same thing when I when I lit into his ass over SummerSlam. You know. So well, you know. Oh, yeah. Because that was another. And you know. So it, I. So it, it. So I see why you know you were upset. You had every right to be. You know. And by the way. And by the way. I. 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 I by the way. I, just so you guys know, we're telling this story knowing full well that we're going to be getting phone calls next week. I know we are. <laughs> knowing okay full well that. we are getting phone calls zach is going to call us and say what the fuck i know it's coming because he's one of the dozens and dozens of fans who listens to us yes who occasionally makes cameo appearances and on that note ladies and gentlemen uh elvis listen anything else you want to say regarding the concert we can jump to the next topic yeah it was a um, good concert it, it, it faltered at the end that's all it was um it would have been perfect he wasn't such a bitch but uh he was so <laughs> that's it stuff not good show you've never been to a show like that before give it a try um step out of your comfort zone and go to a show they've been coming here for the past 22 years um good bands um a little bit different but at the same time like um if you want to try something different and step out your outside your comfort zone watch the plot it was a fun show absolutely and on that note we got some uh wrestling talk and some articles we'll get into here uh first we got to address this right off the top of the right off the top of the sh- right of the wrestling talk because uh, i talked a little bit about this guy earlier but we got to talk about it too and of course buff bagwell uh my, my my client he made and my friend uh he made the he made made the news big time over the last month uh went viral broke the internet stirred a lot of controversy um this time i think in a good way and i want to get elvis's thoughts on this but here's the here's the headline buff bagwell says wwe denied his request for rehab buff bagwell was arrested in may on a slew of driving charges including driving under the influence he has a jury trial scheduled to begin in november he recently spoke about his situation and recent communication he's had with wwe on his rebuilding buff podcast according to bagwell wwe recently turned down his his request for rehab. WWE has been paying for former and current talents rehab as part of its wellness policy for many years now. This is the exact quote from Buff. You ready for this one? The WWF turned me down on going to rehab, Bagwell said. 
I want to put that in your head and let you run with that and just think about it. Scott Hall going four or five times. That crazy, crazy, crazy ass girl that Dustin Rhodes was married to that went five and six times. That's, of course, uh, Terry Reynolds. Uh, not to mention Road Dog. You kidding me? You think he went once? They went every time they could. I asked once and they deny me. They deny me, bro. Here I am trying to get better. I've come to them on what they want me to do, which is get better. And it's not like I'm off the chain. And then they mentioned, according to the Georgia Gazette, Bagwell was charged with the following streaming from the incident in May. Uh, there was driving under the influence of drugs, failure to year when entering an intersection, following too closely, hit and run, duty of driver to stop at all return to the scene of the accident, duty upon striking a fixed object, reckless driving, driving with a gore or medium or emergency lane, giving false name, address, or birthday to a law enforcement officer, and license to be carried and exhibited on demand. Well, you know, um, I say Ben's going to do Vince things, and it kind of holds true to this one. Vince did not make Buff Bagwell. Buff Bagwell would make himself. Yeah. Um, back when WCW was acquired by Vince McMahon, he held a grudge against WCW for being a main competitor, especially for those 53 weeks that's so popular right now. Um, Buff was on a byproduct of WWE. WWE simply just bought the rights to WCW. That means it doesn't come with the rehabilitation. Now, when it comes to what's fair and what's fair, I think WWE could have done the right thing and gotten to rehab and got everything done. But um, they probably got their own reasons. Like, hey, you're not one of us. Um, we bought you. We bought the rights to the company, but we don't care about Marcus. We just care about the three letters, WCW. So I kind of see that because I could see Vince and those cohorts at the top saying like, no, that, that, that's a competition, pal. We're going to sit there and pay for their wellness. We're going to pay for our guys that we made. Um, I could see that pettiness even to this day, whatever. It's still there. So um, I wouldn't pay no mind to it. I mean, I know Buff's pissed off, obviously, because, you know, Scott Hall has been like five times and... Um, every other wrestler's been there a million times. He wants to go in once, and they came and help him. It's almost like Buff's back is against the world, pretty much. But nonetheless, um, Buff was not a byproduct of WWE. He never was. And if he had been, it would have been a different story. He would have been like, you know, the main guy going there five or six times, whatever times he needed to get himself, you know, straightened out. But um, it's not fair. But uh, I think Buff knows that by anybody else that if unless you're part of the inner circle to say whatever or part of that group, or part of that clique, um, he was part of the right clique when he was doing his thing in WCW. But when they got bought out, everybody who ever had the, the, the herald of WCW was shunned on. You had to prove yourself. And Buff never had enough time to prove himself in front of the Vince eyes in my eyes well here's the thing and, and i'm not just saying this because i'm friends with buff and i work for him i'm saying it because it's the truth i don't get and i because i've heard a lot of comments on this so i'm going to address i'm not this is not directed at elvis i'm directing this at the marks who i love to light into because y'all give me reasons to be mad over your stupidity i don't give a fuck how long buff bagwell was in wwe i don't care if he was there for one day i don't care if he was there for one minute i don't care if he was there for one second or a year, or a month. Here are the facts. Buff Bagwell is not just a star. He's not just a legend. He is a brother in the business. And even though he had one match in WWE, if you go to the Peacock, he's all over that. Because Buff was a wrestler and a star during the entire major 11-year run that WCW had under Turner. 1990-2001, he was there the whole time. He never defected. He never left. He never got released and came back. He was there consistently. Therefore, when you play stuff on the Peacock or when Bischoff does his 83 Weeks podcast, Buff's all over all that because he was there for all of it.
it. And, as, and if you need further proof, I'll go to it from a humanity standpoint. When a brother in the business reaches out for help and you have the ability to help them, you fucking help them. Never take away his wrestling career. This is a human fucking being who wants to go to rehab, is admitting that he has a problem and wants to go to rehab, and you tell the man no. When you've given chance after chance after chance to guys who, with the exception of one of them, and I'll say the guy's name, with the exception of Jake Roberts, have pretty much been a disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. It's for goddamn ridiculous. And and there's a there's a question. I would love anyone to answer me. Elvis, if you have an answer, you can give it too. Here's a this thing I really would like to know from either from 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 the from people in the business. I really want to know this. What the fuck did Buff Bagwell ever do to deserve the hate that he gets? I I'd love to hear it. Was he did, did he owe did, did he owe you money? Was he a douchebag? Was he an asshole to anyone? I'd like to know because I've not seen Buff do anything to deserve any of the hatred that he gets from fans, from people in the business. Yeah, sure. He might have gone off on a couple of people, but that's because you started shit with him and he responded. But as far as going out of his way to bury or bash people, I've never I've never seen him do it. And I've yet to hear stories from anyone in the business of Buff politicking or treating anyone like shit. Now, is Buff an angel? No. He's not a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. But all I know is from the time that I've known him, from the time that I've worked with him, to the time I've been friends with him, he is, he is a genuine kind-hearted person. If you're nice to him, he's nice to you. I've never seen a wrestler treat their treat the fans the way Buff does. The way he goes out of his way to shake their hands. Make sure if you get a picture, the picture looks good. The deals that he makes when he charges for his pictures. He makes sure that they're a fair price. That is going to A, make him money, but also make sure that it's a price that fans can afford. Because I mentioned before, I went to that River City thing a while back. I saw Legends charging out the ass. For just a picture. Just for a picture. They charge an arm and a leg. With Buff, you're lucky. He, he charges maybe a finger and a toe. Yeah, I would know from personal experience, man. I got one too. Comic yeah. like two years ago. We went with Zoe. Uh, we went with Zoe out there. We got a photograph. We got a Polaroid. Got a little uh, little picture he had on there. And he signed it and stuff. So it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, but you didn't. But you, and you didn't have to break the bank though to get that, did, did you? It was just. It was a good price. Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, you would charge a lot more if I was to meet, let's say, Creed from the office. So yeah, absolutely. That, uh, yeah. Hell, Kurt Angle <laughs> for 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 a picture an autograph he charged freaking 80 bucks really 80 dollars if you want an autograph picture if you want an 8 by 10 and a picture with kurt angle it was a combo 80 dollars if you wanted just the eight by, if you wanted just an eight by ten or a picture by itself, it was like thirty or fifty. That's Kurt Angle charging like 30, 50, 80 bucks. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you know, everybody has their own like inner head, yeah. what they're worth, and some people don't care about the price point; they just yeah. want to make money. It, so it's like, yeah, well, yeah. it is what it is. But you know, he's more humble than that, which is great. Yeah, but I'm saying like, and the point I'm trying to make is, I'm not trying to bash the other wrestlers. I'm just saying, buff to me, I've seen him be nothing but a good person. Now, like I said, he's not perfect. And we've had a few arguments and disagreements, like maybe two or three in all the years I've known him. But he is a genuine good person. And he was actually a great worker. He was a great worker. He was great on the mic. He was extremely entertaining, as we talked about earlier in the show. This is a guy who, if he wants help, should go. There's no reason for WWE to turn him down. None. None that I know of. Like, yeah, that's pretty shitty, but that, that's on them, though. I mean, like, that's, that's something I have to live with. And they only, I think they probably only think about it, though, but I think it's a shitty move on WWE's yeah. part. 
heart regardless i mean you're supposed to be like the the flag bearer the you know the, the beacon of hope when it comes to wrestling because let's face it AEW. i mean um wwe has been around for a long time they're supposed to be the the, the big leagues right you know they're supposed to be the ones who are helping all these people out and doing stuff but like you know you have someone who's trying to sit out there and say hey man i have a problem i'm trying to get something done i was in the business you better company out um you know i need help let me let me get there yeah and and it's like no nah, it's not good shit yeah. I, I can't do it it's yeah. like what the fuck what kind of decision is that i just think like your 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 ineffective tactics of trying to relate to your talents and to take care of longevity wise although they weren't part of your company but you did buy the company so be liable i mean like it would cost nothing and the thing is like it just shows that you care about your people and obviously we can tell in the past two years how we feels about their talent and the people they have on there and how everybody's expendable and they mean shit to them as long as you draw money you're in as soon as you don't you're fucking done and by the way if we think that you're garbage but the fans think that you're good we're gonna fire you anyway because we don't like you um so that just gives me a glimpse into what's going on so um it sucks i didn't do it though but at the same time buff knows like the writing's on the wall that place is never for him um you know we has very questionable practices about a lot of different things with their talents and their past talents and how to get them done yeah like you know when it comes to like wrestlers dying they'll do a little vignette they'll go they'll show the year they were born the year they're dead and have a picture and have a 10 bell salute and that's all they do like the whole segment is done within a minute and a half you know picture dates 10 bill salutes everybody's out there and then the show goes on yeah and that's all i care about it's like so what about now like it's like hey i'm i'm reaching out to you before i become a dark side of the ring fucking thing whatever i'm reaching out and saying i need help and let's say hypothetically like i love buff i, I hope nothing ever better happens so but let's say something bad was to happen they do a documentary on buff bagwell and they're going to show that well he did reach out to we and we guess what did nothing they look horrible on them you know yeah i mean i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure if buff bagel was to reach out to fucking tony khan tony khan would help him like, absolutely you know buff yeah you know because the thing is like i'm not sure if you noticed about tk tk is very much like a wrestling person like he's a fucking mark but at the same time he's also like he loves wrestlers he marks out for a wrestler so so the people that he hasn't touched or uh, he hasn't signed on he has a, a great affinity for wrestlers so if buff was to reach out maybe to tk and say hey man i need help i reach out to we and they can't do anything but i know i never worked for you but could you do something for me i'm pretty sure tk will be like fuck yeah let's get you there let's, let's get you there buff let's let's rebuild buff let's yeah. do it right yeah and i know buff has talked about he he's he's expressed at least to me and on a couple of podcasts that he would love to go to AEW. Like if Tony, if Tony Khan reached out to Buff and wanted him on AEW, and they can get, and they, and they can come up with the right deal, Buff would one hundred percent go. I, I, I get the perfect, I get, I got the perfect setup for Buff right now. I mean, in my infinite um, wisdom of AEW, have you heard of the Wingmen in AEW? Uh, I've heard the name before. I think you might have mentioned it to me once. Uh, it's it's like the Benoni guy, uh, Ryan Nemeth, which is Dolph Ziggler's brother. Yeah, um, and then we have a uh, fucking uh, Peter Avalon, pretty Peter Avalon, and it's some other guy. I forgot his name. A little chubby guy. He's he kind of reminds me of um Ryan. The, who's the guy who takes his shirt off and went to Russia and whatever? Brian Kreisner. Kreisner. I think so. Yeah. Now, who's the comedian? The guy with like Bert Kaiser or Bert Kreischer. Yeah. So the guy who yeah that guy. So he kind of looks like him. So it's like Benoni, Avalon, um uh, Ryan Nemeth, which is Ziggler's brother, and then that guy. I swear to God, Buff Bagwell could work in a group as the wingman be perfect yeah like they fit so perfectly together i think like that whole dynamic but that's just me i think i brought it to your attention before but for me i feel like that would be what needs to be done tell yeah the truth. absolutely and i know that and i also know that you know i buff such a great personality that obviously if 
obviously buff can still work. I, I let people know that right now. Like like once his like once his leg gets healed up and once he's able to like physically go again, he can get back in the ring. He could work a match. I think he would be. But I'm great. not worried about that because the thing is like you know with with AEW, I'm not sure you've been following, but like I do, I follow all Ethan Eagle Page. But even like the wingmen themselves, they have their own like little uh, vlogs. They had the video logs of their they're like Dave's man. I'm telling you, like Buff would fit into that group like oh, wholeheartedly. Yeah. Oh, I think. Oh, with I them, agree. Like they, I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that here's I'm just I'm just giving the list of credentials that Buff could bring to AEW. The first is he could still work a match. So he would definitely be somebody that could work with somebody and like, you know, give him a couple wins and when it's time to put somebody over, Buff could do that. Um, hell, I would love to see him run with the TNT Championship. Um, uh, I mean, like, I, I would say just to like get him, he's been off TV for a while, so I'd like to get him on TV just to at least kind of see how he feels off with the internet crowd and with the wingmen. Cause like, the, listen, the wingmen's good. Like, Bononi is amazing. Oh yeah. Like he's huge. Nemeth and all that. But it feels like they don't have like that polarizing, look at us, look, look at this group thing whatever yeah. and it's like like peter avalon is good in terms you have to get used to him Benoni is great but no one knows it yet nemeth is like i'm not saying he's living up his brother's thing because he's not using the ziggler name he's using the nemeth but if you know wrestling you know that you know that's his brother so but yeah they're all great they're all great entertainers but like they don't have that star power to say hey look at this group because we have something going on over here i feel if buff was to be introduced to that group it'll bring some kind of notoriety oh I mean, yeah it won't be like the big needle mover but at the same time we'll put like he can sit there and groom these people for the next future as entertainers yeah. slash wrestlers and that's exactly what that group is exactly and i'm saying that in it and i don't know that's 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 another that's one thing buff could definitely do so i'm saying he has that aspect where he can help groom this new talent and it would work it makes sense for them and like i said he could also he can also still wrestle i say i think maybe the tnt title um i it might be a stretch if i may be so bold to say if you want to put some extra star power maybe a world title down the run that's i know that's asking a lot but at the very least tnt champion if that's as high as you want to, you know, I think at least there he'd be great. Also, putting him with that group, the wingmen, that's another aspect we contribute. And the best part is, you know, he could be part of those vlogs. If you want to do stuff for being the elite, he's got a personality. He can, he can do being the elite sketches too. So, there's definitely stuff you can do with him. I think, I think like interactions between like Buff and John Silver would be fucking hilarious. Yeah, like, I think that'd be great. Because like, like Johnny Hungy with the whole like, okay, is he gay? Is he not gay? Whatever though. But like him being between Buff, he's like, Buff, you've got the stuff that I want. Tell me to stuff my muff all over your buff like you know john silver being john silver i mean like i think the chemistry between those two alone would be fucking amazing yeah so i'm saying there's buff can bring an entertainment aspect in other ways he can wrestle he can talk he can manage a group he can work with a group like there's so much he could do for AEW, and i feel like it's something that i would love to see tk um capitalize on you know because i feel I'll like I'll talk, I'll talk to tk yeah I, I, you know we're, we're we're pretty good we talk on a daily basis we exactly, all know that. yeah it's uh it's it's that's that's gospel you know oh yeah and one last thing we'll clear up here before we move on to the next topic uh michael michael long posted this on the rebuilding buff twitter pa twitter page the same day the uh video came out on youtube of them talking about the rehab thing he said i want to clear up some rumors that are going around based off the video that has been used on new on news sites buff was 100 not intoxicated during the podcast i would never let buff record or release anything if he was and i want to second that by saying neither would i I always check with Buff before he records 
anything. I make sure he can talk. I make sure he's not slurring. I check everything there because, you know, I'll admit sometimes when Buff's, you know, sitting on the couch, relaxing and unwinding, he might, you know, throw a couple, throw a couple beers back while he's watching TV. Who doesn't? You know, that's a drinker. But I make sure he is sober before he does any recording. Then when he's done recording, if he wants to unwind on the couch, so be it. He's not going anywhere. He's relaxing. But I make sure he is like that at all times. And he does it too. He checks himself as well. I just double check because my job as a manager is to make sure he is ready for the podcast. So he was not intoxicated during that interview. So you can stop that fake news shit. Anyway, on that note, we'll move on to the next article here. We got Hacksaw Jim Duggan diagnosed with prostate cancer. Oh, WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. Duggan underwent emergency surgery on October 20th. His wife, Deborah, released the news on Facebook. Back where we don't want to be, she wrote. Please pray for Jim and his doctors as he has had emergency surgery this morning. Thank you, Deborah. Feeling emotional. Uh, Hacksaw was in good spirits at undergoing emergency surgery. His official Twitter posted an update on his condition after the procedure. Out of surgery and back in his room, everything went well. On Thursday, October 28th, Duggan posted a video on Instagram announcing that he has been diagnosed with prostate cancer. He'll undergo cancer surgery on Friday, October 29th in Charleston, South Carolina. Duggan said his wife will keep everyone updated on his recovery. He thanked everyone for their thoughts and prayers during this difficult time. Yeah, you never want to hear about your heroes. I like yeah. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I'm not saying like I was the biggest fan of his, you know, but yeah. And then obviously in 2011, he was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame. I know because I went to the ceremony. He also was the first ever winner of the Royal Rumble in 1988. And also in WCW, he was the United States and television champion. So he did have some good uh, career highlights. And obviously we wish him uh, the best of luck and we hope he uh, gets better soon. Most definitely. And in other news, we've got, I just found this out. Jim Ross is back in the news. Oh, boy. Jim Ross opening a cannabis farm in Oklahoma. Really? Yes. AEW play-by-play ace Jim Ross is in the process of getting his cannabis farm off the ground. Ross is known for dabbling in ventures outside of wrestling. He has been successful with his own line of seasoning as well as his sauces. He once owned two restaurants and hopes to open a bar if he can somehow make the time. One business that many didn't have on their bingo cards for JR is the cannabis industry. During the latest episode of Grilling JR podcast, Ross revealed his opening a cannabis farm in Oklahoma to grow marijuana. My youngest daughter, her husband and I, and another guy, a lawyer, are, g- are getting ready to start a cannabis farm. We're looking at the working title of Black Hat Farms. I bought some land in Oklahoma recently for the grow houses and all the things. That's going to be their life. That's a big deal. She's got a great job in marketing. She's not going to quit that. I wouldn't even let her consider that. So I'm excited about that for my kids. I figured out it was probably smarter to leave them things while I was alive and sort through all the heartbreak and the minutiae and the legal stuff that the probate courts and all all these things after I was gone. It's going to be hard enough after I'm gone simply because I've got so much memorabilia. I need a clever creative way to have somebody that knows what the hell they're doing come into my home, inventory my memorabilia, then figure out the best way to pare it down. Ross has been busy with commentary duties for AEW since 2019. JR was recently diagnosed with skin cancer, but he hasn't let that slow him down in the booth or with his own ventures. JR has beaten skin cancer in the past. By God, buy my weed. You're going through that table. You're going to need some weed for that back, so why don't you get some of JR's barbecue, HBD, CBD, Delta A fucking weed. Cause we're gonna get some weed. What? We're gonna get some vapes. What? We're gonna get some one shots. What? And take some of that barbecue sauce, 
slap it all in your fucking lips and speck onto that fucking Delta 8 because Jim Ross's barbecue fucking weed is coming to stores near you. Boomer Sumer, we're getting some weed sent out there by good old J. Ross. So get grilling on your mind, on your belly, eat some barbecue, and get yourself stoned because Jim Ross said so. Alright, and uh, but yeah, so I think that's kind of cool. Jim Ross is gonna, wants to grow some cannabis. I think that's kind of cool. Um, I wonder if it, I wonder if marijuana has helped him with his Bell's palsy at all. You know, I, I believe it does. I mean, a lot of people want to sit there and like, yeah, the detractors, the people who obviously smoke are gonna be, yeah, it's definitely gonna help out, but the people who are against it are like, I don't know, it's weed, man. Like, it just now became legal, sort of, kind of, but like, it, it's got a lot of benefits. Um, do your own research, man. If you just follow like what the TV narrative tells you, it's not gonna work, but I mean, for me, it works uh, to go to bed for backaches, whatever. If you're an adult, you know yourself, you want to get yourself stuck on back pills and pain kills, whatever, take some weed, man. Weed's going to make you all right. I'm just saying CBD or whatever it takes you to get you through the night. Yeah. Through your pain. You're an adult. You can figure it out. Don't abuse it. Like anything else. Alcohol, it's good to a moderation. If you drink too much of it, you become an asshole. Um, when it comes to weed, don't be the guy where you go into his car and it just smells like a fucking reefer blunt. You don't want that shit. You know, do it in your own time. Be happy. Do whatever. Live your own fucking life. But at the same time, don't be a fucking asshole about it. That's all. Exactly. And the thing is, I actually found something interesting. Uh, Jesse Ventura, staying on the wrestling topic. Did you, did, you, did you ever hear about that book he wrote, Marijuana Manifesto? Can't say I have. It, well, to my knowledge, it's the most recent book he put out. It was a couple years back. But he talks about mar the history of marijuana. And he mentions something that most people probably didn't know. But the government definitely doesn't want you to know. Marijuana, at one point, was the economic backbone of America. Oh. Apparently, wow. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, a lot of politicians grew and sold marijuana, and that mm. and that the con and that marijuana was used to make paper. It was a manufactured thing. They actually um, it was like, made for clothes. Yeah, flags. Yeah, I got you. Like the Constitution was made for marijuana, and so was the original American flag that Betsy Ross made. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. America was built on weed. And but guess but and it's and it, it lasted until do you know what? stopped it go on the cotton gin motherfucker before the invention of the cotton gin, marijuana was used for everything. Then they invented the cotton gin, and cotton took over. So wait a cotton pick a minute. You're telling me cotton ruined weed? Uh, it didn't necessarily ruin weed. It just replaced it as the as they they made more money with cotton than they did with weed back then. But then, but I'm just saying, if George Washington Thomas Jefferson were alive today, they would be raided by the DEA, and they would be considered major drug dealers. Huh. Like that's how. Yeah. So basically, marijuana, and then they talked about how he became an advocate for marijuana after his wife because his wife developed epileptic seizures and was seizuring three to four times I think it was either a day or a week but it was really bad oh, wow that's that's tough and that's they, tough I'm not sure you've ever seen that I'm not sure you've ever seen that stuff in real life but it's not a fun sight to watch yeah. it's hard to watch even not only that though trying to console a person who's going through it you can't like I don't care who you are you can't really help somebody through it you just have to like watch them go through it and then console after and say hey it's gonna be okay but it's not because because the change already took place, you know? Yeah. And th they put her on four different pharmaceutical medications. None of them worked, and they had horrible side effects. So out of desperation, he took his wife to Colorado, where they got medical marijuana, and it was done. They, they, they put three drops under the tongue. She takes a pill in the morning and a pill at night, and within a month, no more seizures. Yeah, it's crazy how that happens, right? Yeah, and to this day, she is still seizure-free. 
Huh. You find something and you stick with it, regardless yeah. of doctors or whatever. So exactly, but yeah, that that, that shit happened. Um, and then in other news, we got uh, this kind of ties into something that uh, Elvis and I also talked about on the phone during our long front conversation. Uh, we have Britt Baker, Ty Conti, and Jay Cargill trade shots on Twitter. Britt Baker will defend her AW Women's Championship against Ty Conti at Full Gear next month. We mentioned this in the AW recap that came out last week. Uh, Conti came out to make the save after Baker continued to attack Anna Jay after their match on Rampage Friday night. Then on AEW Saturday Night Dynamite, Baker cut a promo on Conti saying that all Conti has done since arriving to AEW is show everyone her ass. Baker's mm-hmm. promo led to response from both it. Conti and Cargill. Conti opted to compare how certain parts of their action figures look in her response. Bitch is mad because not even an action figure can not even in an action figure can she have a better ass than me. It's literally showing a Britt Baker action figure, a Ty Conti action figure, and how nicer her ass is. Come see me on leg day, no ass bitch. <laughs> and then Jay Car, and then uh, Britt Baker writes, "Baddest bitch on the block." Jay Carter says, "Brittany, you can't hold a candle to how I look. My face alone looks better. Let's not talk about your ass." So it's petty high school shit then. Yes. And then uh, uh, Britt Baker responded by saying, your tweets are as bad as your promos. I was the baddest bitch on the block before you even decided you wanted to play wrestler. No one mentioned looks, but that's literally all you have, so I get it. If that was an attempt to body shame my ass, go ahead and kiss it. Oof. Wow. That's some heat. Yeah. That's some heat, motherfuckers. And then Jade comes back with uh, body shame. The queen of talking about everyone else is playing the victim. Brittany, please. I can't help that God bless me with great looks. Also, you have to answer back to Ty Conti's tweet. Scared much? Damn. So that's so there's a little bit of a cat fight going on here. Yeah, but let's face it, cargo sucks, dude. I'm sorry, <laughs> she sucks. She sucks out loud. She even sucks at Twitter. And my I'm not even on Twitter, but she sucks at Twitter too. I'm like, oh, you're trying to be snappy? No, you're not really that great at it. Um, yeah, Ty Conte's got a great ass. She's like the Tony Storm of fucking AEW. That ass. Oof. Area okay. code. At his own. Um, but uh Jay trying to get into the game, like I guess, whatever. Britt Baker, yeah, she's got some faults when it comes to the looks department, but it's not about that, I guess. It's about Playing your part, know how to use it. You know what they say. It's a matter of size. It's about how you use it, yeah. I guess. That's what well, some people say. I'm not, I'm not worried about that. Well, she's um, obviously got some skills if Adam Cole keeps her around. Well, obviously. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, loves a trickle thing, whatever. You see Adam Cole is this polarizing figure, but he could be very much very insecure person where maybe Britt Baker's the best he could have. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Know. Um, it's it's weird, you know, but uh, nonetheless. He could be pinning shoulders on mats and fucking gym rats, but at the same time, uh, he's doing <laughs> So that's what you got going for him. So as long as he's happy, that's all that matters. You know, you never know what love is. You know, love could be uh, the receptionist or the person who works at McDonald's. You never know. She could be the girl, uh, you know, selling you fucking drywall at Home Depot. You don't know. Oh, yeah. Well, earlier, well, as I mentioned before, Elvis and I had an interesting chat about the AEW women's roster phone uh so before we get to that we'll play we, we played a little basically here's what we did we looked at the entire women's roster and played a game of fuck marry kill uh we decided we looked at the whole roster and decided who we would fuck who we would marry and who we would kill now before we give the overall answer i think with these three we should play that game so elvis you go first Britt baker ty conti jake jade cargill fuck marry kill make your choice this is gonna sound bad but i'm gonna say it anyway ty conte i definitely marry that bitch uh, because God, yeah, that'd be amazing. Ty Conte with that ass all day cooking me fucking rice. I'm good. Um, I probably date Britt Baker because she's too much of an egomaniac. She'd probably fix my teeth and I'll call it 
fucking day. And I'd probably fucking kill Jade Cargill because she's fucking worthless. I mean, she sucks at loud. Um, I'm not a fan of hers. I mean, but I wouldn't really kill her because I, I don't feel I should kill anybody. But given the premise and the parameters of what you've given me, um, given that choice with a gun in my head, because I have one right now, I'd marry Ty Conte, I'd date fucking Britt Baker, and I'd fucking stab Jade Cargill in the fucking heart. Uh, for me, it's... I would definitely fuck Ty Conte. Oof, go on. Heartbeat. That's my wife. Be careful. Uh, I would... Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I would probably marry Britt Baker. Oh, wow. Uh, just, just because... I would um just because a like I said she she's she's good looking but also I could use the dental insurance. So oh wow! I get a free. Di- I get yeah you, you get a discount on dental care. Well, you never know. But at the same time, would it be the same thing if you just fucked her or dated her for a bit and then well, call it a day? Well, no, because if you marry her, then you know because then first of all, women do more for you if you wife them than if you fuck them. So it's but so the time I, you're fucking them. That's that's yeah. Good, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm married. You're, 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 you're looking you're looking long term. I love that i love that you're looking long term you're not that's just looking it, for the temporary fix well yeah well the fuck is the temporary fix that's that's what people forget when they play this game the fuck is the temporary fix the marriage is the long term because that's the thing so i'm looking the long term like with Britt baker i get i get discounts on dental or free dental right there so i ain't gotta worry about that insurance wise she's got a dental practice and you know which means even after she's done wrestling she can still make a living so it's not like she's gonna be one of those issues where her wrestling career is over and she's sitting in limbo going what the fuck am i gonna do like you're gonna go fix some teeth bitch that's what you're gonna do <laughs> it's conte she's my wife yeah. i probably eat her asshole every day yeah. just because and and i would kill jay cargill because uh even though i have been known to be down with the swirl uh i ain't feeling it with her i don't know what it is i don't know what it is about her like she like you know i i like my heels right you know when it comes to it oh god but, like worship them i just I just cannot get behind her character or who she is. Like, she's like, she's kind of like forced on your throat and yeah. she's not that good. It reminds me of like an early John Cena or even latter John Cena or whatever from the early years. Back before, we, you know, when before we were friends and after we were friends, we had to get past that point, whatever. But <laughs> you know, when you have a certain character that's, that's shut on your throat, it's kind of like, why are you doing this? Because I don't want this. <laughs> like, I don't want this at all. <laughs> you know, it's funny you bring that up because I just realized I thought of something. Go on. We went through a phase in our friendship at one point where you hated John Cena and I did everything I could to convince you he was great. Now mm. with now now years later, the shoes on the other foot, because I fucking hate the elites, and you keep trying to convince me that they're great. Oh wow. Like realize yeah, that we, like... we flipped the script, bro. <laughs> I know, because I'm trying to I'm trying to sell you on something. I'm I'm trying to sell you on goods that are good, and like you're trying to sell me on the goods of John Cena. I was like, there's nothing that's gonna make you convince me one way or another about John Cena. And sure enough, like after like years and 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 years of persuasion, and it took time for him to be off my screen to come back on. And I'm like, oh no, I like him now. I get it. No, actually, you know what though? It actually happened after that CM Punk match. That's when that's when it took place. That's when I think you and I respectively came to terms with each other's affiliations for our wrestling because i think like you and i even though we butted heads when it came to decisions and who we stood for it wasn't to see him punk match with cm like with uh john cena where i was like okay okay i respect him now yeah. i think it, like same thing could be said about you and cm punk as well too right i mean yeah i didn't really i didn't really hate cm punk i was just kind of like eh like my big thing with him was like he is that it's one of those things where he felt he had a lot to complain about and i didn't I mean, obviously there was some issues behind the scenes, like, you know, mm-hmm. his, like, like health wise, he had some complaints that were valid and, uh, you know, and all that maybe, but I felt like, dude, like, but the way his attitude was, he acted like he was, he, he had nothing and it's like, 
Dude, you were a multiple time world heavyweight champion. You main evented a ton of pay per views. Like they not WrestleMania, but, but cool. not WrestleMania. But I'm like, okay, so your your biggest gripe is you weren't the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, but you weren't jerking the curtain either. You know, like you were. You know, you had you had high profile matches at WrestleManias. Yeah, okay, so you weren't the main event. But I just felt like the things he complained about were stupid or petty. That that was my issue. But I never I never once questioned Punk's ability in the ring. Or ability on the mic ever. I've I yeah. always knew he was good. He's easily said for a person who was like looking at everything from a John Cena perspective. The person who's a true punk fan is kind of like we saw through it. I was like, no. And I understand where you're coming from. I totally do. But at the same time, with his time, I was like, that was his fucking time. That was that, that was his summer, and you know it got ruined. And that, that that's a different topic for a different day. But um, nonetheless, um, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I mean, he, he was pissed off, but it was legitimate. But it was like for different yeah. reasons, and there's a lot of reasons that's well documented, and some that's not. Nonetheless, but. but, yeah. but Here's Here the funny are. part. Eventually, Elvis came around to liking Cena, which means which took forever. Which took forever. So who knows? Maybe ten years from now, I might want to go to a super kick party. Who it's knows? In ten years, I may be saying to all a good night. Bang! I might. Oh wow! I could do it in ten years. Let's see. Ten years from now, let's see if I'm a fan of Kenny Omega and the Bucks. I may well, very well, well be. Well, well, technically, since I've been building them up before AW started, we're looking more like eight years now. You know. Let's 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 be fair with the timeline. Okay, you, you want to give it eight? You want to go with eight instead of ten? I'm going to eight because I've been I've been building them up for two or two years so far, even okay. before AEW. So 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 you think yeah. so? Yeah. All right. So you got eight years. Let's see if it happens. All right. You, you're here to hear first. So now that we got that one out of the way, we can do the overall roster. I think we got some time. Yeah. So uh, so the whole women's roster. Fuck Mary Kill Elvis. Go. Oh my God. <laughs> Um, this should come to no surprise to anybody who listens to the podcast. Um, who would I marry? Sheeta, hands down. Okay. Definitely. Sheeta, uh, that's one. Um, number two, who I date or fuck, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, I definitely have to go Chris Stanlin or Ruby Soho. I'm going to go Chris Stanlin. She just seems like a, it'd be fucking weird and awesome. I don't be down with it. Who I fucking kill based on principle alone. It'd be fucking Riho. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you are the worst women's champion. You're the first one. I still hold a grudge to that though. Kenny Omega, you couldn't make a worse decision. Um, I just, I just never got behind her. I couldn't understand why she was champion. So I definitely kill her. That's it. I'm done. All right. Okay. So Sheeta, Statlander, and Riho. All right. I'm gonna go with. Um, I would fuck the bunny. Oof, go on. Go with the bunny. I would marry Brandy Rhodes. Wow, that's a good pick. Why? Yeah. Um. A. She. From what I've seen behind the scenes, she's definitely. She definitely. She definitely likes her role as a wife and a mom. So she's got that. You know, she's a woman that doesn't have a problem. You know, I mean, obviously she's a strong person. She's independent. She makes her own money. That's good. But she's also a woman who's not afraid to be a wife and not afraid to be a mom. You know, and huh. I would like that. You know, you know. I obviously, like I said, I if I if I ever if I ever got married, I would want a woman who obviously, you know, has a job, wants her own dreams and ambitions, and I'd be cool with that. But when it's time for a wife to be a wife, just like it's time for a husband to be a husband, you know, I want to make sure you're at that point, you know? So, or for a mom to be a mom and a dad to be a dad, you know, there there are some traditions that I still believe in, and Brandy seems to embody all that, so that's why I would go there. Again, long-term thinking in the marriage department. And as far as who I would kill, uh, well, to avoid controversy, I'll skip one particular person, uh, so I'll just go 
with Abaddon. Why is that? Because I've never seen it without makeup, but that is the creepiest shit in the world. Like, ugh. Yeah, so I'd probably kill Abaddon. I don't necessarily hate her, but there's not a lot of women on the roster that I would hate enough to kill unless they sign a certain individual that may be leaving WWE. But other than that, I'm looking at, there's nobody here that I really hate. There's no females on the roster that I really hate that much. That's the thing about the women's roster. There isn't a girl that I like really, really hate. So I'll just go down. Same way too. I yeah. So uh, let's see. Yeah, time. Do we have time for another wrestling article, or should we move on to the news? Uh, Move on to the news. Move on to the news. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's see. Oh, I want to talk about this one just because it represents one of the most classic moments in Boochcast history. Reese Witherspoon revealed legally blonde wasn't allowed to film at Stanford University after learning the school made an exception for another project. I saw this article and I went, I have to do this. <laughs> Originally, Legally Blonde's Elle Woods wasn't supposed to go to Harvard. The film star has been recently shared that the budding lawyer was actually supposed to attend Stanford University, but she wasn't allowed. Reese made the reveal after Issa Rae thanked Stanford for allowing Insecure to film on the campus. Shout out to Stanford for breaking their no filming rule for us, Issa wrote on Twitter. The university has long implemented the rule due to year-round campus activity in order to protect the privacy and safety of its students, faculty, and staff. Reese explained that when they were getting ready to film Legally Blonde, the university wouldn't make an exception to the rule, despite the fact that she's an alumni. This is major fun fact. They would not let us film Legally Blonde there, so we went to Harvard instead when Reese applied to Issa. Issa wrote, uh, also proud Stanford alum fear the tree the funniest part of all this legally blonde wasn't even filmed at harvard with most scenes taking place at usc ucla or california institute of technology she wasn't even legally blonde guys (laughs) she was not legally blonde during the whole series it's so crazy and she legally couldn't be even going to stanford apparently so like it's almost like this character had to go through so much but why the fuck do we watch the movie like what do we even care oh my i i I don't know i'm gonna lose it i'm gonna lose it it doesn't it does not matter it's a not even a real story about people that aren't real who weren't even supposed to be legally blonde during the whole time jesus christ i could go on i could go on a tirade about this i feel like i've done this shtick before we you, you did when we did the uh when we did the the sequels and there was a talk of them potentially making a legally blonde three and you just got the angriest you've ever been and yet this like nasal voice and it was funny as fuck it was one of those things like it happened in a moment i wasn't even thinking about it and when it happened i was like yep i just went off on legally blonde <laughs> that was only a moment guys you couldn't see this in the studio because you heard the audio if you heard the audio you know it but in the studio i damn near fell out of my chair because uh because elvis was sitting in what he likes to call the captain's chair and i was in the, the hell- oh yeah it's it's um just a little thing whatever so Vinny has um he's got a, he's got a couch back there but when you get close to the computer to write or when you're supposed to do a podcast now you guys know my voice is not really it doesn't project like the way Vinny does but he can sit there and be like all right guys it's the booch cats let's get this thing done but his voice echoes through the wall like you could hear his voice everywhere like you could be next door and Rhiannon would be like Benny shut the fuck up I can hear you motherfucker right but my voice it doesn't carry as much so when we start doing like the volume checkpoints like you know like check one two one two my voice always came out lower than uh Vinny's so I have to sit in a chair but he's got two chairs and the thing is it's really conflicting me it's really conflicting me because the chair he sits on is a CM Punk chair he got from Hell in a Cell and I got the captain's chair which is a leather chair but it's comfier i'm like Vinny, i gotta send the cat 
this chair. And it, I'm really, every time I sit in that chair, I'm always in, the, in a pickle because I'm like, I want to sit in that chair because it's CM Punk. But the thing is, this chair is so much more comfier. I got to sit on this one. And the CM Punk chair doesn't have any arms on it. So when I when I damn near fell out of the chair, I literally almost fell out of the goddamn chair. I had to lean on the desk to keep from falling because I was just laughing so hard. Like Elvis and going like, legally blonde, and I just fell out of the goddamn chair. It was the funniest shit I ever seen. It was great. I'll yeah, never it was, forget it was, that. Like, it was like one of those moments where like we were we were recapping movies coming out and all those different things, whatever. And I had some little spark moments, but but for some reason, League of Blonde three, it really got to me. And I, if you haven't listened to it, go back in our archives. But um, it was pretty spot on. It was pretty good. And Vinny was like like he's like crying like ooh. All, and the funny thing was because of the voice, all I could think of to say when it was my turn to talk, I I, I all I could do was just lean in and go. I can't wait. That's all I could think of to say. That's all I could think of to say. Because it was because the way he did the the, the rant in that voice was the same voice when he told the I can't wait story. So I literally that's all I could think of to say. Because there was literally no transitioning out of that. Because it was too fucking funny. It's it's kind of a hard act to follow once I get my little moods and my little rants or whatever, where it's like I'll explain it to you. It it becomes autopilot. I'm not me anymore. Something takes over my body and just talks. And then after a thing the spirit leaves my body and i'm just like what just happened and benny's like crying i'm like what are you crying for he's like did you just hear yourself i'm like i think so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's absolutely and in other news this is an interesting uh, article here um it says here men are sharing the biggest annoyances of being a guy and some of their answers left me speechless this is of course the uh the writer of this uh article here trying to find out what the person's name is didn't mention it um but apparently this person found this interesting. Uh, uh, it's a, so when I think it's you just juice 22 on Reddit. Um, he said, when, when, when asked Reddit, male users of Reddit, what is the most annoying thing about being a guy? I felt compelled to keep scrolling. Here are some of the most thought provoking answers. So some of these are the, our thought provoking answers. We're taking a look at here. Uh, so, uh, we got, honestly, I think the most annoying thing is the competitiveness of other males. Um, especially when it comes to women, I've been out with girlfriends and some dude will come up and brutally start hitting on her. We make it apparent that we're together and the ridicule starts. You're with this guy. I bet he really sucks at blank. I could be better than him. That alpha male shit bugs the hell out of me. Number two, the fact that we're expected to have the courage to approach women at bars or wherever else, which wouldn't be so intimidating if the perception of said flirting didn't depend entirely on how attractive they happen to find us. We're told the, the worst thing she can say is no, but it feels pretty shitty when she and her friends straight up laugh as you walk away, or even worse to your face. As someone fairly middle of the road in terms of looks, it's like, am I going to have a fun conversation or are she and her friends going to laugh at me? Let's roll the dice. Most of the women I talk to who decide they're not interested are polite about it. And I appreciate those people. But some are just mean. And most of us guys aren't quite as emotional as we're supposed to be having to deal with that makes us feel bad. Trying to shave those damn hairs on your Adam's apple without slicing your throat open. This is number three. What the fuck? Uh, number four. You're expected to just deal with a lot of things that girls would get help with. Number five. This might seem pre- petty or dumb, but right now my fiance and I are planning our wedding. I'm super into the planning. Every time we meet with a vendor, they solely talk to her and ignore me entirely. Number six. Male eating disorders get zero attention. Number seven. The stigma that every 
every time I talk to a woman, I don't know I automatically want to date them. Like, fuck. Maybe I like talking to women because men don't open up about feelings and women actually listen. Just looking for a friend, man. Number eight, shopping for clothes. I've noticed in every clothing store, we have this small corner in the back of the store for our clothes. Then the rest of the store is 95% female clothing. Number nine, getting into very few no compliments about my significant other. I want to be told nice things about myself too. Number 10, being the person to go check out the noise that just happened at a creepy place to probably be brutally murdered by some evil demon spirit. Baldness. Some can make it work for them, but most can't. Sucks to be you guys. Having to feel I have to stay quiet about the way I feel about my body. Men's swimming suits. The mesh on the inside rubs and chase your upper thighs. The only solution is to either wear Speedos, gross, or underwear under my shirts while swimming. Being judged almost exclusively on one's financial stability in an economy that makes financial stability very difficult to achieve. Number 15. Not being socially acceptable to carry a purse. What the fuck? Number 16. The, the assumption that because I am the father, I don't know or am incapable of taking care of my kids. People ask my wife all the time she needs to rush home when she leaves the kids with me. I am not a babysitter. I know what I'm doing. Number 16. We are expected to be sex experts. I have sex only once. Don't expect too much from me. Number 18. Not being able to walk home alone at night in peace. I always get judged by people and women fear me just because I'm a man. Number 19. Most girls expect you to pay for everything all the time. <laughs> Been there, brother. Number 20. Not being able to hide flaws as well as women can. Number 21. Hearing girls complain all the time how hard it is being a girl. Because obviously boys have everything perfect. And because every problem that only a woman can fix. And finally, number 22. Walking to a public restroom and getting your shoes stuck to the ground because of all the dry piss on the floor. Wow, that's uh, quite the list. Yeah, count 22 things about being a guy that's weird. I mean, it is kind of weird, but we, we have these expectations of ourselves, but we're supposed to evolve, but still have these mannerisms. So like, you know, um, I'm not going to debate about men versus women, rights versus whatever, but let's just say this. In my household, when it comes to stuff for the house, most of my wife's in charge of it. When it comes to manual labor, I take care of it. We have an equal 50-50 relationship when it comes to bills, when it comes to cleaning, when it comes to whatever. Um, but let's not get it twisted um if something hard comes up where i have to do like there's manual labor involved like cutting grass trimming edges painting hammering things something's wrong with the car i'm the person she calls to when it comes to the house which i don't think twice about she thinks about it but at the same token she cooks i clean um, when it comes to our chores, I vacuum the house. She does a dusting and she, you know, she does the other stuff like the mopping of the floors and everything else. So it's, it's an equal team on this side right here. But, you know, for the guys, we have a lot more expectations, especially the whole dating thing, whatever, like that whole, the very first one you talked about, you know, you're a single guy, you want to go out there and you see this girl that you're kind of like, Oh, that girl definitely looks great. So you want to go out there and talk to him and you try to sit there. And first of all, I'm not sure if you girls know this, but before a guy comes, talks to you, unless they're just a complete douchebag. Um, before they come talk to you, they're they're contemplating this conversation in their head. Like they're trying to say something where it doesn't sound like I just want to fuck you in the mouth. That's like that's that's let's just face that, okay? Like we want to sit there and have a conversation where it's smooth, you get along, everything's going well. And the biggest fear is obviously the stupidest thing, you know, um, the fear of rejection because you know you you don't want to go through that. Um, but it's not really that. Like you know, some people are nice about it, but some girls are kind of cunts about it. And you are, um, you girls can be cunts. And I, I understand it. You guys probably get hit on all the time. You guys look nice and you get a lot of creepers come to you and say how you doing can i take you out to dinner and take your ass out you know what i'm saying you guys probably deal with your fair share of crazy creepers out there but if someone's trying to sit there and just talk to you and say how you doing and if you're going to a bar dressed like beautifully trying to meet people um don't be such a fucking cunt about it you know if you're interested just say hey i'm good thank you i'm just here with the girls blah 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 whatever make a good excuse and call it a day but some girls take it to the to the nth where it's like okay i don't want to talk to these women because they're kind of fucking 
bitches. Yeah. And the thing is, is that like, like the number two thing is I- I'm a firm believer in 2021. I think the women should do the approaching going forward. I no, think it would I, solve. I, 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 I believe, I believe, I believe that wholeheartedly because they're not really missing much. It's like, I don't know why they feel like we have to come to them. And don't get me wrong. If you like somebody, you should definitely go for it. But then you have so much things going in your head. And I'm sorry, if you're a girl and if you if you put yourself up together the right way, a girl knows when they dress up correctly. Girl knows when they're looking sexy. They're looking out to meet somebody. If you like someone, let me let me tell you a little thing. So it's a thing for all you women out there and for the girls and women who listen to the Boochcast. Literally the dozens of us who listens to this. Um, Take your shot, man. If you like somebody, just go up to them. You know, you don't yeah. have to be all, you know, super slutty about it, though. You can just sit there and just talk to them and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You take all the pressure off it makes the night so much easier like, okay well that was fun like she came up to me and we started talking started hanging out having drinks and or whatever you're at though we, we started talking and we really hit it off i mean there's no pressure on you i think the pressure's on the guys to get it taken care of and don't be wrong if you're a guy if you if you're out there if you're like somebody i say take your shot and do it but sometimes if your your fears overcome your willingness to go talk to somebody and the girl sees that struggle in there and be like you know what though i'm gonna make it easy i'm gonna go out there and just say what's up at least be the icebreaker because Sometimes all you need is just the introduction. After the introduction is done, they'll probably entertain you all night. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just saying that based on the fact that, you know, it's just, it just becomes such a pain in the ass. And, you know, guy went, went with the whole thing about, you know, you know, girls, you know, guy says, wants to ask a girl out. Girls do all the toxic masculinity crap and all the controversies going around the last couple of years. I'm like, you know what? Okay. The women should just do all the pursuing going forward. Make it, make it easier on yourself. You like a guy, talk to him. Nine times out of 10, the guy's going to talk to you. And the one out of 10 is either he's married or you're fugly. That's the only reason. Those are the only two reasons a guy's not going to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, like, if he's like, you know, like myself, if he's married, he's not going to go for it yeah but if you see a you see a, a table full of guys without a ring on their finger um and if you kind of have ambitions for one of them um go to the table i mean you'll probably be surprised i mean a lot of cool shit might fucking happen yeah um but i don't know i'm yeah. just saying and i know you guys want to sit there and be wooed and do whatever else but like you know make the first impression yeah it's like you know pick you know decide what you want so anyway and then it's like dealing with a lot of things that women get help with girls get help with i see that point you know because guys it's they talk about like guys with like talking about mental health and things like that i think that's probably where that was going you know and i've like i've had friends that literally will call me up and be like hey man i got a pro hey man i got an issue and basically we just that is one of the rare moments where i'll drink i just go to the friend's house we drink we talk we get through it so but i definitely feel like you know a guy needs help with something you just gotta you just gotta have that buddy that you can call and be like all right let's go deal with this problem so i think that can help out and then also, I will say this: the planning wedding thing, Elvis. You, Elvis, you've been married, or Elvis, you're married. So, uh, is this, is this a lost cause for this dude right here, like throwing the towel on this one? I don't know about that. I literally had little to no input on my wedding. And my wife asked me every day, "What do you think about this? What do you think about that?" I'm like, "Dude, babe, I, I really don't care." <laughs> she asked me a couple songs. She asked me a couple songs for like the dance we have. Like, she chose like the wedding, our, our like our our song. She's like, "Is there any songs you want to listen to?" Because you know it is your wedding day. I'm like, I think I chose like three songs. And, um, yeah, that's it. She chose, she pretty much did everything on. She picked the location, where we're going to, what we're wearing. Like, I, I, like, I know John had a hard time because he had to sit and deal with, like, um, a significant other to get married and had to go through a whole bunch of different things. And it's not easy. It's not. But I could literally say I had little to no input on my wedding. Cause, like, I guess to me, uh, I didn't think I was really gonna get married ever. So to me, it was, it was never a big deal in my mind. Um, it never was. 
like for me, I I, I, would, I didn't think I was ever gonna get married. Tell you the truth, um, it just so fucking happened to be. Um, so when it happened, I'm not saying I wasn't into it because I definitely was. I'm, I was getting married, but I guess in my mind, I never had like I guess, I guess some people have this picturesque wedding scenario in their head, like they'll get married at church, they'll get married at a country field, they get married at the beach. You know, everybody's got their own little. I guess a lot of people had that. I guess growing up, I never really had that sense in my head, like oh, I want to get married in church, or I want to get married in a cardboard box. I don't know, like I never had that idea in my head does it sound weird maybe because i'm a guy or something but i never like really cared about the details or where how and why yeah i mean that makes sense and um also um i don't know uh, male eating disorders is that i didn't honestly i i they say they get zero attention i didn't even know it was a thing like you rarely hear about it um i mean i don't know i mean eating disorders can go both ways right either in excess or yeah. in, you know not eating at all um it might but it's it might seem like a pussy way of saying is like oh i gotta eat in this order like frank you're a piece of shit fuck you um not our friend frank but i'm just saying as a generalization of the yeah. name um so i think like men are supposed to be brought up to be tougher mentally physically you know all that stuff whatever but really we're deteriorating any inside so i guess you know when it comes to when they say you're a man or whatever you have these stigmas about you you're supposed to live up to if you don't then you're not a man type thing but you're yeah. a man but you're not the man to the standards of whoever made this rule up because again i in this world i've never met a regular person in my life um if you meet a regular person who what the standard norm and a definition is i'd like to meet shake and shake that person's hand we get the notion of what that person is maybe it's a tv figure or something from a movie but we all think we have like this idea of what a man's supposed to be like and uh if you don't live up to those things then you're not really a true man so you always doubt yourself that's the whole point it's almost like it's almost like those cosmopolitan um, magazines or the teen magazines they have at the store where they make women feel like shit because they don't have like they don't look like that certain superstar who's had aides do their hair and makeup for the past six hours to get them that pretty on a magazine um it's just pretty much bring yourself down so it's 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 fucking weird man now we're supposed to live to a certain standard um if you can't start a fire with just kindling or something you're not a man if you can't fish with it just a shoelace then you're not a man you know it's, it's got all these stigmas on it um i don't know who made these who how they were put in place but i guess you're supposed to live up to these expectations if you don't you're not quite the person you're supposed to be or to be loved up to i guess yeah it's it's crazy like that and then of course like they have other ones about i want to be told nice things about myself too that's a big one too like no I, I, compliments I, I, are very I, I, much I, I, a two-way street on that one i like yeah that's you know I, I, you know i, I want to be told that i'm hot you know i want to be told yeah. it's like dude your ass your ass goes for days and like not just from dudes for once that'd be great um <laughs> Um, just, you know, like I want to just walk down like to Publix, you know, get my roast beef like I do every Sunday and some girl will be like, mm, boy, you getting some roast beef. I really want some of that meat. I'll be like, damn, that girl's got game. My wife's right there. Be ca be careful, bitch. At the same time, I like your sentiment. I like it. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting there like, you know, grabbing some hot dogs and she's like, mm, I want to grab some of them hot dogs. I'm like, bitch, my wife is right here. What is wrong with you? But thank you so much for the sentiment. I appreciate it. Yeah. You want, <laughs> you know? I know what you want. You want, you want the type of, you want the type of compliments that make the chancleta come out. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, I mean, Lee Marie is very pretty. So when we go anywhere, oh, like, God. you always have guys checking her out, you know, like, you know, whatever we go to, Home Goods or to a restaurant or whatever. So she's always dressed to the nines. She always looks amazing. So you have guys always give her a look. But it'd be cool to have her, like, 
you know, grab me. She's like, no, that's my bitch. Stay the fuck away. Keep your eyes. You know, I, I think this happened once or twice. Um, we go somewhere and also she just grabs me and I look around and there's like this girl over there. I'm like, oh, she's grabbing me because there's another girl there. Maybe she was checking me out. But, you know, you're, you're kind of oblivious because it doesn't happen all the time. And when it does happen, it's like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. I was worried about it. I, I, I've been, obl- anytime a girl has complimented me, I am fucking oblivious. I, I look, I start looking for hidden cameras and shit. Like, I, it's like, that's how insecure I am. Sitting, she'd be sitting there, like, you know, like with her vagina waved out, her thong hanging out with the arrow says, Elvis, look, I'm into this. I'll be like, huh, that's a crazy mole in your leg. What's going on over there? Let's get you to a dermatologist. I'm like, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? Why do I think this way? <laughs> oh, here's the worst part. Remember, remember New Orleans? Uh, when we were walking down Bourbon Street. This goes, this not only ties into this, it ties into number two, where it was you, me, and Steven. We're walking through New Orleans, and that random chick just came up to me. And, oh, yeah. And dude, she literally was like hardcore flirting with me. And I don't know what, I don't know, I can't remember what the fuck I said, but somehow I was able to match her vibe for vibe. I don't know how the fuck I did it. And she literally started flirting with me, gave me her number, wanted to hang out, walked away. Dude, the look on your face was priceless. Yeah, I was really, I was really taken back by the whole situation. And then I was like, man, I cannot believe this fucking hooker spot out a sucker who would pay money for sex in the middle of Bourbon Street and Wait. shut up she found the sucker hold to do up, it hold... it was you wait. it was amazing wait a minute wait a minute you didn't know she was a hooker steven was the only one that said that well because we Steven's both... bottom, so he, knows, he knows what they look like i don't know I, I looked at you i was like holy shit that just fucking happened and you get the numbers like oh she's a call girl i'm like how would she know but he would pay for sex and he did multiple times during that weekend no he no wait that... wait i paid he once blew, that weekend that back out i did it once that weekend i paid multiple times in my life, but that was just the one time in New Orleans. He blew that bitch's fucking back oh, out. Oh, totally, totally. I was like, holy shit! Buddy. After after I took the after I took the weirdest wrong turn of my fucking life. Yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Like he told me he told me the story next morning. He was like, yeah, I brought out a two inch Punisher and she fucking had it. I'm like, oh my god, Vinny, don't tell me about your sex life. What the fuck's going on? Oh, it was, it was fucked up. Well, she gave me all she gave me was the name of the street, and I put it in the GPS, and I drive. And all of a sudden, because she's telling me she's staying in a hotel. I pull up. There's a fucking trailer. I look down at the address, and I shit you not, I was in Mississippi. What? Fuck, I, I was on the border between Louisiana and Mississippi. I ended up in Mississippi. So you fucked her on the Mississippi border? No, no. What happened was I found I had the wrong address. I put in the address to the hotel and drove all the way from Mississippi to goddamn New Orleans. That's why I was out so late. I went the fo- total wrong way. Yeah, you were pretty tired. That was, that was kind of funny. Oh, though, dude, but, uh, I was I was out of it, it man. Like, you're right, though. My expression on my face was like, is Vinny Butch really going to pull this shit off? Holy fuck. I, I, I had the same expression, but Steven was like, oh, she's a hooker. And I'm like, fuck you, Steven. And then we found out she was a hooker. Steven never felt so vindicated in his life. He's probably like, yeah, he's probably going to go to the uh, uh, WrestleMania access. But you know what, though? He's getting some access tonight. Oh, yeah. And uh, and then, of course, the financial stability one, that's a given. Like, when are guys not judged on that? that... I mean, it, it can and it can't. Like, yeah. it all depends on the quality of the, the, the person who's judging you on that one. Some girls don't care about the shit because they have money. And the people 
but and the ones that don't have money kind of like reason with you know whatever situation they have so it all depends on the person not necessarily that like if you get like a snotty cheerleader their whole life who went to college and date all these high strung people they're not gonna go with schlubs they're gonna go with people who live a certain lifestyle and, and they know what to look for when it comes to clothes when it comes to shoes when it comes to watches when it comes to cars so yeah yeah and then of course there's the basic one expect girls expecting you to pay for everything all the time i had one girlfriend that was like that thankfully the rest of them didn't have that mentality but i was like when i was in that relationship i was like jesus christ like bitch i'm a college student i can't afford this shit i i do want to keep tapping that ass so does it cost anything i will pay cold hard cash for that shit <laughs> <laughs> not at that time but today yeah but yeah so uh so that's so that's the craziness there and uh i see we're getting down to the wire here uh so we're gonna wrap this uh episode up uh before i get to the end here uh elvis is there anything you want to plug um no uh, do not follow me on Facebook. Do not follow me on Instagram. Do not follow me on YouTube. But if you want to be a fan of the show, follow the Boochcasts yes. on all social media, YouTube, Instagram. Um, don't forget to follow our podcast on Spotify, all the major streaming sites for the podcast. Um, follow Vinny Bucci. He's a funny guy. Um, he's got an Instagram and all that fun stuff. I got it too, but I'm not involved. I don't put shit on there. So if you follow me, it's very bland and vanilla. It's boring. I don't put any me. I don't put funny videos. I just put shit on my family. So if you're in my family, it's like, uh, you know it. You were there. And if you're not, you're going to be like, oh, he just has a family. Um, I'm very boring online. So um, very personable here, but very boring online. Follow Vinny. He's probably got a lot of inspirational quotes that says, you don't know me until I'm pissed off. And by that time, I fucking hate you all. You know, what? <laughs> Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. I don't know. Whatever. Um, that was very much the old me. I mean. But at the same time, like, you know, just follow him for inspirational quotes for every day Vinny Bucci he will go off on social media if you watch his videos if you're on Facebook um you'll get to see him rant about everything and nothing he'll get mad at the clouds for being too gray or too white or the sky too blue or too gray it'll rain for two days and say why is it raining so much but then it'll go like rainless for three weeks and he'll be like where the fuck's the rain he's that kind of guy folks watch him he's kind of funny yeah so make sure you guys uh follow the Boochcast. we're on Anchor Spotify Breaker and Google Pod Podcast. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there or be a super fan. Follow us on all four hosting sites. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast, at TheBoochCast on Twitter and Instagram. Get the latest tweets, photos, videos, content, all things of that nature. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are the TheBoochCast on YouTube. We've got a great stuff coming out, especially we have both Brian Pillman videos out right now. Ultraviolence and Nick Gage comes out this Thursday, so hit the subscribe button, ring that bell to be notified so you don't miss those episodes as well as all the content that we currently have up there also our halloween video is up there so uh if you want to do the monster mash check that out um also make sure you guys are following us on twitch at twitch.tv slash the boochcast where our next live show will be november 21st sunday november 21st for wwe survivor series we also have our DD show which we are still trying to figure that shit out ladies and gentlemen life is kicking our ass but we are doing our best to fight back. All I can promise you is it's coming and we will not disappoint. So also make sure you guys support the show. Go to anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels. Each have prizes coming soon. You can go for 99 cents per month, 4.99 per month, or 9.99. Pick the site, follow us there. The money you guys give us goes towards the show. We upgrade our equipment, bring in big name guests, pay our bills, take care 
care of all the guys who work hard behind the scenes, including Elvis Delinsky. And of course, the leftover money will feed Zach ramen noodles and possibly get him laid. Unless Elvis has decided he wants to retract those last two statements. I don't know, but we'll think about it. Um, But anyway, until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.